You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, welcome once again to Cinema a la Cat. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, for folks who are curious, uh, this is part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com, a network that has been around for almost 12 years uh, as of this recording, which is November 22nd, 2021, just a few days before the American or United States Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so uh, folks who are curious who we are, otherwise, uh, basically, we uh, talk about a bunch of films, but I'll let Eric explain what this podcast is all about. Eric, what is this podcast all about? This podcast is a solution to an ongoing argument that has been going on for years, uh, which is that uh, we would always butt heads over what movies were uh, appropriate to talk about under the Dark Discussions label and which ones were not. Um, and we decided to kind of come up with this spinoff podcast as a compromise, uh, which is films that might be on the border or not at all qualify for dark discussions. We'll talk about on this one. Um, so that's how this podcast came to be. That's right. That's right. And let's see. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for house cleaning, I think. Uh, but I guess one other thing, actually, which is, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll be talking about some sort of film. I guess that's just, yeah, some sort of film. All right. Yes. Uh, if we have time after, maybe we'll discuss a little bit uh, what we've seen, news, uh, general things, and uh, there's, there's actually a news item related to one of the people that stars in the movie we're going to talk about tonight. I, I, if we talked about it on Dark Discussions, it was an episode which I did not attend. We did so not we talk about that later. Yeah, we did not talk about it, so we'll, we'll okay. talk about it. And it has nothing to do with uh, Anthony Hopkins to being the oldest person to ever win an Academy Award. It's something even worse. Actually, what <laughs> Anthony Hopkins did was actually very good. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll discuss. Um, so, uh, I guess with all that stated, uh, Eric? Oh, actually, Eric, what else can people find on DocDiscussions.com? Uh, uh, they can find a lot of stuff, but I think what you want me to talk about is Patreon. Uh, Patreon allows you to financially contribute to your online artists. Producing podcasts for the Dark Discussion Network is not free. Uh, we have to pay for stuff like uh, movie rentals and computer equipment and web server hosting and all that good stuff. Uh, so any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. If that's something you'd like to do, you can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions. For every $5 a month that you care to contribute, you'll have the opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly do on Dark Discussions. Uh, we take all these submissions from our patrons and draw one at random on a quarterly basis. 
basis? What's a basis? Uh, basis, we do a show about it. Uh, so if that's something you're interested in, you can follow the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Yep, and it's greatly appreciated if you do donate because uh, there is a lot of fees, as Eric mentioned, and uh, anything that can help is greatly appreciated. Uh, all right, so uh, with all that stated, uh, Eric, what is our topic? Tonight. Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about the 1997 action-adventure film, The Edge. Okay, check it, please. A photographer with an eye for beauty. Okay, great. Let's do one more. Nice-looking lady. Your wife? Yes. Why'd you ask? A man of wealth who lives through books. Todd knows everything. Got a question to ask you. I seem to retain all these facts, but putting them to any useful purpose is another matter. Each the essence of the civilized man. Well, Charles, we're going on an impromptu adventure. You come, too. All that money, never knowing what people value you for. And I think your wife's pretty cute, too. So... How are you planning to kill me? Hold on! But when civilization disappears... Why do we even think they'll come looking for us? Our friend's a billionaire. You know what happens when you misplace one? All they have is each other to rely on. Most people lost in the wilds die of shame because they didn't do the one thing which would have saved their lives. Thinking their will to survive and the question why would i want to kill you charles why would i want to do that for my life of where the greatest danger lies you saved my life well i couldn't kill you with steven around i'd have to kill him too and he's the only one that knows how i like my coffee What, am I supposed to have a plan? Rich man, all anybody wants is to take something from you when they want it bad enough to kill you. You and my wife? I've seen you with her. 20th Century Fox presents Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins. You want to die out here, huh? Alec Baldwin. Money's folk. Sit up there, drinks and golf, but get you in an emergency. Right. And you bloom. You make me sick! I'm sure I do. Somewhere between the law of the wild and the nature of man lies the edge. I'm not going to die. It's today. I'm going to kill the mother. Uh, that's right. Uh, the Edge is a 1997 action adventure film uh, directed by Lee Tamahori, who is what we call a Kiwi. Uh, for folks who don't know what that means, that means a New Zealander. Uh, he is a director of such films as The Edge, obviously, as well as uh, the, the Morgan Freeman uh, film Long Came a Spider, uh, James Bond Die Another Day, as well as this film here. Um, the film was uh, uh, written by David Mamet, who is probably uh, the most... Um, uh, well, I won't say that, but but is very very prolific and and well known uh, playwright and screenwriter. Uh, he's written a number of great uh, movies, uh, and uh, this just happens to be one of them. Uh, one of his more famous ones would be Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, who oddly stars one of the same actors in this film here. Um, and then uh, the people that are in front of the camera, 
those who we see is uh, Anthony Hopkins, two-time Academy Award winner, Alec Baldwin, Ellie McPherson, Harold oh, no. Perrin. No, McPherson. That's that's right. That's right. I've always <laughs> screwed it up, but you're right. Al McPherson. Uh, Harold Perno. Uh, and uh, the thing that's uh, most interesting, in my opinion, about uh, the people that worked on the film is Jerry Goldsmith uh, wrote the score because I texted Eric last night saying that the score actually had a lot of traits of the alien uh, score that mm-hmm. Jerry Goldsmith um, direct, uh, actually wrote. So uh, I noticed it very, very uh, interesting in how, how uh, similar. But uh, we'll get into all that uh, later. The film uh, got around 60-something percent uh, good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but uh, probably the most prominent critic that uh, recognized this film or, or reviewed the film was Roger Ebert, and he gave it three out of four stars. Uh, so, I guess we can get into how we heard about this film and what we thought about it, and uh, we'll start with Eric, since uh, this is Eric's topic. Yeah, it it is. almost was a Dark Discussions episode at one point. <laughs> I've been trying to get you guys to watch this movie for ten fucking years. Uh, you didn't have to, I'd already seen it. Oh, had you? Okay. <laughs> I saw this when it was in the theaters. Um, and I, and I really, really liked it. And I was just, I've been, it's something that's surprised me since that time is just like, nobody saw this movie. Um, like very rarely do I bring up this movie and have somebody go, Oh yeah, I saw that. That was great. Uh, like this, nobody knows about it. So it's a film that I've introduced to several people, including my friend, Dan, who really likes it a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I wanted to take the opportunity to talk about it on Cinema a la carte. All right, very good, very good. Uh, one other person that starred in the film I forgot to mention was Bart the Bear. Bart the um, Bear. Bart the Bear. Um, starred in the Disney the called The Bear. Oh, there you go. Uh, uh, I don't think Bart had a very good memory for names, because they always gave him the same name in every movie. He was always The Bear. That is true. That is true. So you uh, remember a new character name. True, true. Uh, <laughs> for, for for me, uh, I actually heard about this film because of Eric. Uh, knew nothing about the film, never heard of it, didn't know it even existed until Eric mentioned it. Uh, pretty much ignored it and never watched it until last night when it was time for me to finally watch it uh, for this podcast. I never saw the trailer fuck trailers and i've never read the the wiki or imdb so i went in completely blind knowing absolutely nothing about the film didn't know that al mcpherson was even in it didn't know the only thing i knew was that that uh, anthony hopkins and alec baldwin were in it for the fact that they were on one of the posters right um yeah so uh and also i didn't know goldsmith had written the music until i started hearing the music and i said this sounds like a goldsmith and sure enough i looked up oh it's goldsmith and um i didn't even know it was elle mcpherson but i knew it was someone i knew but because she had her hair blonde in this film so i was a little bit confused and then i looked up it's like oh that's right it was mcpherson. but anyway um my opinion of this film is, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, as Eric said, a, a hidden gem. Um, it's a film that not many people know about it. And again, I'm quoting Eric, or I should say paraphrasing Eric. And uh, I would agree with that because, again, I had no idea it existed. And I also have to paraphrase Eric again and say it's a hidden gem because it sure is a great movie. Uh, I enjoyed it tremendously. Um, it was a weird twist at about 30 minutes left part, but 
you guess it was going to happen because as Mike always says, if it's, if there's a hint, that means it is a checkoffs something. And so watch. Yeah, there's a, yeah, yeah. I mean, now because there's like, a bunch of Chekhov stuff in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the dead pits. Che- the yeah, Chekhov's air trap. Chekhov's pit. Yeah, so Chekhov's I, I had a life. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, a lot of things didn't surprise me as they popped up, even though they quote unquote did surprise me, which doesn't make any sense but i think people will figure it out if they see what i'm talking about but uh yeah all in all it's a, a thumbs up for me it's a really really good film uh, let's go to mike yeah i remember that when this came out um now this is going back in the the i don't i can't say it's pre-internet days because the internet was technically a thing just nobody knew about it um <laughs> But I don't remember getting great reviews. Now, that could have just been whatever local papers I had been reading because you didn't have stuff like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes to Mm -hmm. aggregate all the scores. Um, So, you know, I I didn't have a huge interest in seeing it. Um, But I did end up catching it at some point. I don't remember if it was like a video rental back in the days where you would rent VHS tapes. And if you didn't rewind it they would chop off a finger um or or what it was but i remember watching it at home i know i didn't see it in theaters and i remember being really surprised at how much i liked the film um and i thought based on a handful of ratings i had seen that it was being unfairly criticized Mm -hmm. um again i have no idea how the, the the ratings look now and like you know that we could do the whole you know, meta rating Internet thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's, if it's gotten a better rating over time, you know, or if it just, I just had a shitty selection of reviews, uh, from the, like, like the local paper and I don't know, Owen Gleiberman from entertainment weekly or whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, so I remember liking it a lot. Uh, you know, me, I like anything where animals get to mutilate mall and, and if possible consume human beings, <laughs> So much the better. Uh, I mean, I have to give it a strike in that there were no small children that were being eaten. Well, you can't get everything. Uh, No, no. Um, But, you know, in fairness, the bear does eat the youngest person. (laughs) So that's, you know, I'll I'll settle for that. Uh, Spoiler warning. Uh, But, yeah, I I liked it a lot. I think it's a really I think it's a, a good thriller. It's a smart thriller. Um, I don't know if I even realized it was written by Mamet at the time. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel to me like a Mamet thing, but it's also not because it's not a very talky thing. Well, and I, I read some piece of trivia earlier today that says that um, when talking about the poor reception of the film, Alec Baldwin is quoted as saying he thought it had to do with how much the director changed the script from what Mamet originally wrote because he turned it into much more of an action movie than a drama. Oh, uh, okay. Because I'm used to things like, uh, you know, Glenn Glary, Gunn Ross, or uh, State in Maine was another one I think Mamet wrote that I, that I loved. Um, and those are very dialogue-heavy things, and this is much more of a, uh, 
you know, manly men surviving against the environment. Well, there's still a good deal of dialogue. Yeah, there is. It is for for a movie about manly men fighting against each other in the environment and a bear. <laughs> um, there is a surprising amount of dialogue, but not from like. But if I but if I was comparing it to a mammoth film, uh, there was. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, so I listen, I would just say I recommend it a, a lot. I would definitely, especially if you're a fan of these people. Right. That's that's why I went to see it. I was like, Alec, Alec Baldwin, Anthony Hopkins. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we can get into a uh, wiki arc. Wiki, wiki. An intellectual billionaire and two other men struggled to band together and survive after getting stranded in the Alaskan wilderness with a bloodthirsty Kodiak bear hunting them down. Indeed, indeed. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the third man you knew was was the red shirt. Yeah, uh, you know? right. <laughs> Poor bastard. But it happens. Uh, so uh, yeah, Kodiak bear. Those are uh, that was a that was another. Chekhov's gun right there because they're talking about Kodiak bears at the beginning of the film before the bear even bear. That's right. So, um, so I guess that's a fair IMDb, right? I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, folks who are uh, new to the podcast or the Dark Discussions News Network or specifically the, the podcast that myself, Eric, or Mike appear on. Uh, we basically do two things. We do a general 15 or 20 minute, maybe even shorter than that, um, non-spoiler part where we just talk about the film in general and whatnot and things related to the film. But then we throw up a spoiler alert and then we talk about everything because uh, this podcast, Cinema a la Carte, isn't just a review podcast. It is also a critique and dissect podcast where we go in deep into specific scenes, uh, the character motivations, the things behind the scenes, like what the, the screenwriter or director are trying to do. So we go in deep and down dive where we basically talk about everything and anything. Uh, but before we do get into that, we will throw up the spoiler alert. However, before we even get to the spoiler alert, again, we discuss general things and topical things and feelings about the film and stuff that won't spoil the film. So uh, where do we want to start as we're in the non-spoily section? Anyone want to discuss? Yeah, I do want to say that if you ever find yourself in a movie and you're planning on going out in the wilderness, don't talk about bears. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't talk about mountain lions, starvation, freezing. Talk a lot about things like helicopters. Well, and don't talk about bird strikes either. Oh, bird strikes. Don't talk about bird strikes. Talk about, <laughs> talk about, you know, talk I was about a, your, your car is, is a mile away from where, where you're located in the woods. Yeah. Exactly. Talk about all good and happy things about smooth rides and, you know, lots of clean bathroom rest stops along the way and all things like that, because those are the, whatever yeah. you talk about the, that, that will be your future. Right, right. The rest area where there's a McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. And like Carvel and yeah, all that other. Or Dairy right, Queen right. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and just uh, a shell station where you can get your energy drink and, and that's it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this place takes place in Alaska uh, in a remote area that uh, can only get to by plane. And then it even takes place even further. Uh, in Alaska, where 
it's a remote area, but not even a building. Um, it was actually uh, filmed in Banff National Park in uh, Alberta. Oh, okay. I, I assumed it was filmed in New Zealand just for the fact that the director is a New Zealander, but uh, it does not surprise me that they went to Alberta because, like, The Thing, which is supposed to take place in Antarctica, they used Alberta or something of like that nature as a, uh, a stand-in. Um, so Alberta, which is uh, the location of some folks that we are friends with on the podcast, such as Sean Fox and MJ Preston. Um, and it's also part of that kind of country up north, kind of, sort of. Um, so anyway, um, what else do we want to discuss uh, generally? Uh, actually, the cast, as Eric mentioned, is, is pretty pretty solid. Uh, this was when Anthony Hopkins was, uh, well, he still is, but this was when he was younger, and he had been Younger. Broken. Yeah, because this... <laughs> Young. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it was interesting with his career, because he always was a pretty popular uh, secondary actor, in a lot of great films. And then he became an Academy Award winner with obviously with the science of the lambs. And after that, he started getting starring roles. And, uh, this is an example of that, uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, no matter what people think of him as a human being or what we'll probably discuss a little bit at the end of this podcast. Um, this was when he was still, um, a true A-lister himself where he was, you know, you know yeah. coming off of, uh, uh, Hunt for Red October and all these other things, and when people just thought he was a nice guy before they yeah, eighty eight was like a huge year for him. It's like, like yeah. that's when he hit, and when he hit, it was with uh, like Beetlejuice and 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 Hunt for Red October. And you talk about hitting on your like your first shot, yeah, that Man, was awesome. That, that, those are those are that was a fantastic one two punch. Indeed, um, and then oh sorry, and that was good. And he tried doing like. So other stuff like what was it the shadow that didn't quite work and um you know there were other yeah, movies one of those, that it, one of those yeah, guys it that wasn't working that yeah that got leading roles in other films and they just bombed for some reason and, and then it kind of soured sure. a little bit yeah but 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 he still was able to hold on to become an excellent uh supporting actor in, in many films such as the departed and so on and so forth right uh, and, then, that, and i think that really works well for him uh is, or, that, is or, that whole supporting thing Right, right. Or you should rephrase that as as passive, rather than saying it worked well, for him. It worked for him. Um, but we'll discuss all that. We'll see where uh, we'll, we'll see where that that goes. I mean, he still has a shot at the career. So uh, we'll, find out. we'll find out. Let's have that yeah. discussion later. Yeah, we'll discuss that after. And then Al McPherson, who was like one of the biggest uh faces in entire world at that time uh and uh many uh people's um she was the, she was one of the original supermodels like when when right, that with, was a thing yeah right with, with, with Claudia Crawford and yeah and Claudia yeah. Schiffer and uh yeah Claudia Schiffer her Ellie, Elle McPherson and Cindy Crawford were like oh and Paulina Paula Scana whatever her name is yeah, that, yeah, was, that crowd yeah 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 so that, that, there was a so she was huge like Huge, huge. And then um, Harold Perrineau is in this, and he's been in such TV shows as The Lost and, and, and stuff such like that. Um, so, uh, all right. So I guess we can get into uh, any other things anybody wanted to bring up. Uh, what else do we want to bring up? Uh, um, well, I do want to agree with Phil that the score is pretty awesome for this movie. There's a, a very recognizable, like, wilderness theme. Um, 
which is pretty cool. And Bart the Bear, like I read this and I was really surprised because it's kind of like in, in Silence of the Lambs, everybody talks about Anthony Hopkins. And that's like that's like a two some hour movie. And he's only on screen for, I think, 17 minutes of it. But like that's what everybody remembers from the movie. And I think it's the same yeah. here with Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear is only on screen for like a total of four minutes. But holy cow, does he make an impact? <laughs> well, I mean, he's, 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 not, he's not Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, to be fair. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I, on the other hand, he is, a, he is a bear. Yeah, he's a freaking bear. And there's a couple of scenes like there's a scene um, where clearly the bear is is shaking a, a mannequin, you know, and it's fairly obvious. But I still think it's more effective having a real bear shake a fake person than having a real person react to a fake bear. Um, well, I have to say, Eric, I, I, because I was in horror and, and, and like almost crying, like, Oh my God, what's going on? It did not look like a, uh, it looked like a human being to me. And I was well, like, Oh my God, this is, this is, this is magic, right? This is, this is like stage magic is mm-hmm. this is audience distraction and you don't want them watching the magician. So you have a hot woman in skimpy clothing that's glittery out on the stage <laughs> and everybody's right. looking at her while the magician is pulling strings or doing whatever. And nobody's noticing. Right, right. when you put a person on the screen and a bear. Right, right. People are not going just a, not just nat- a bear, but a Kodiak. Bear. I, it could be a it could be a teddy bear. People are still going to look at the bear. Right. Yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to, oh my God, there's a large animal. I wonder what Alec Baldwin's facial expression is going to be. No, you're going to look at the bear going, that's what they're going to look at. Yes. And and you could have nine feet tall. He's he's a sight to behold. Right. And you could have substituted Tim Curry for Anthony Hopkins. Nobody would have noticed. (laughs) Right. No, so Bart was awesome. Unfortunately, Uh, bears don't live as long as people, and he passed away in 2000. Yeah, he got cancer, so he he was unfortunate. Was he the bear Uh, from? um, What was the? It was the bear from the bear. Yeah, he was the bear. Yeah, he was in uh, Legend of the Falls. Was he the one from the the uh, the John Candy movie? Probably. Uh, Where he's like bounce when he's like breaks down the, the cabin door and he's bouncing up and down on top of. What's the name of the movie? Oh, I can't the Great Outdoors. The Great Outdoors. I think that was it. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Oh, they gave yeah, him a slightly. Yeah, he has he has range. Man. He could do and, comedy. And was, he could do drama. Uh, he did action. Mike, 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 Eric was talking. I was just saying, in that movie, they actually did give him a different name. He was the bald-headed bear. Ah, uh, yeah. To separate him uh, from all the other bears in. The yeah, movie. but most of his credits are the bear, the bear, the bear, 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 the Kodiak now, bear. <laughs> now, now, uh, also, also some other uh, actors, or at least one other actor, I wanted to point out that was in this, which who, who's awesome is uh, uh, LQ Jones. He was the guy that owned. Uh, yes, the, he was quite good. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He was in a lot of great westerns, uh, Sam Peckinpah films. But my favorite thing that he ever did, and I know Eric won't appreciate it because I think Eric watched it and, and wasn't a fan, but he was the director of a boy and his dog, a great science fiction film, in my opinion. I didn't love that one though. Right. Right. So, uh, so he, he, he's done a, a few directing gigs too. And that, that's one of his, his big ones, um, starring Don Johnson and Jason robots. Love Jason robots. Well, we're not talking about that movie today. I know, I know, but yeah. 
So, <laughs> we already talked about that movie. Which one? A boy and his dog. No, no, we never, we never got it. It was put on the polls similar to The Edge, and it never won. Yeah, well, we never why did I it. watch it? Because I recommended it, and you, so you said, "Oh, I'll check it out," and you watched. Oh, it. yeah, that's why. That's why we're <laughs> not taking your recommendations. That was his. That was his. Uh, the uh, the Dave made a maze. Thanks a lot. Of Anywho, yeah, yeah, boy, and his dog is like Dave, Dave, make a maze. Boy, and his dog was 1997. Alec Baldwin, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, what else do we want to uh, talk about in general um, before we get into spoilers? I'll I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, The film uh, was interesting because you, you go in assuming, at least in my opinion, that the film is going to try to say that Anthony Hopkins is a, is a dirtbag. You know, he's one of those one percenter scumbag motherfuckers. And I never felt that way. Was I wrong to think that the film was trying to set me up to think Anthony Hopkins was going to be one of those people when, in fact, I didn't feel that way by the end of the film and actually any time during the film, even though I thought it was going to try to set me up that way. Am I wrong to think that? Well, I don't know if the film was trying to make you think that, but I think what the film was trying to show you is that a lot of people do think about his character that way, but right. he's he's not actually that way. Right. Yeah, there is there is a there is a among certain people a natural anti-success bias that they don't like those that have been successful. You know, what's that um, famous though? Like like Anthony Hopkins' character is in this film. A lot of those people are dirtbags. You know, the Bezos and the Bill Gates. A lot of them are. And and uh, you know all those people. The who's the one that uh right? But this is a this is a this is we're talking about bias, which is taking a few people. You know, and Do you they, know, like I don't even using think they ever class. say what he does. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't know what he does, and you don't know much about him because he doesn't do anything. He he's a plane. made a billion. You know, he's one of the richest people on the planet, and so it doesn't have to do anything anymore. Right, right, but but you know, you can find. I'm sure that if we really thought about it, we know some billionaire that is actually isn't tainted you know i mean no matter what how great bill uh, bezos and gates and all those guys are they're tainted based off of the slave you know you, you can argue slave labor in china and 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 what they they you know epstein and all the other crap but there's got to be some i just can't think of them at this moment unfortunately. Well, a lot of but, them a lot of them come around later in life um, like Bill Gates right now has his foundation, which he's using to fund a whole bunch of research projects and, and try and advance science. Well, but that's uh, been around forever. It's not a late. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and even him, he's still tainted because he's kind of, you know, uh, but anyway, yeah, I see your point. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I, I would say you're absolutely right. That's, that's good things. What he's doing. Um, but yeah, but, I mean, nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, I just, he can't, see, he can't, he, he, he can't even go with his, his little pet quarterback anymore, now that he's not <laughs> playing. Right. Well, 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 I, I, I got my, my issues with, with people like Bill Gates and, and, you know, I'm not going to well, go so into I will it. say, having interacted with you for 10 years now, that your bias of, 
affects your view of the world more than a lot of people I know. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. That may be true. I don't know. Maybe. That's just an observation. Yeah, yeah. I'm less forgiving when it comes to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, well, yeah yeah all right that's true yeah um, so I think I don't think the Anthony Hopkins character in this movie um, was as you say a scumbag uh, right. but certainly like like Alec Baldwin's character thinks he is but he doesn't even like that's that's I think part of the point of this movie is during during their journey um, they get to know each other. And he realizes that he's actually a pretty decent guy, and it, and it makes him even matter. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, also makes him all this find money out. To be an asshole. Oh no, he's not an asshole. This is horrible. Well, and, and, and this I'm is. Yeah, and I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could remember. There have been other films to kind of touch on this. Um, but the idea that once you become rich and successful and powerful, uh, or famous. Uh, you you can't ever trust anybody's motives mm-hmm. when they're around you because you right. never know when says, they're just right. And and there have been other things that that have done that. Everyone there sees you not as a human being. They project everything on you. They see you as as, as a tool to be used as a ladder that they can use. Well, and that's actually what, what instigates the whole adventure, um, because. Charles would not have gone on that trip had it not been for an incident. And we'll talk about that after the spoiler flag. Right. Well, so. and, and that's the thing, right? Because you, you know, you have the the point that Anthony Hopkins and which is Charles and Alec Baldwin, which is Bob, who by the way is not a billionaire, but you, you could say that he's probably fairly wealthy as, as he's a, a professional photographer. photographer. He's probably yeah, he, making he, decent money. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's definitely upper class too. Uh, if not in, same league by any means but um th- there's a discussion between them where they talk about you know you can't trust anybody's motives as mike mentioned and you know so for example uh a woman who has the hots for you may only look at you because you're a billionaire or you're a sports right. figure or whatever you know and and then you know the the your friend may be there just because you know, you will give him a job that he knows as long as he's, he doesn't burn you, he will have forever and be, you know, um, comfortable for his, the rest of his life and, you know, on and on. So that's a fair point. If if you are, the, I mean, no matter whether you're a sports figure or a famous person like Elon Musk or an actor or a musician or a politician, people will look at you maybe differently than if you were just your next door neighbor who's as uh, in an anonymity like yourself. Um, so that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, that, that This film is definitely discussing a little bit about that. I will also say that just the general scenery in this movie is breathtaking. Um, like, you know, a lot of those mountain vistas are just like, wow, man, nature. <laughs> it's, it's depressing, actually. They say, oh, we have to climb that mountain over there. It's like, oh, Jesus. I felt, <laughs> but I'm I just talking about the sheer beauty. It's yeah. amazing. What's over that oh, mountain? Another mountain. <laughs> yeah. More mountain. Yes, yes, very, very, very beautiful area of 
what is actually Alberta. Um, uh, great film and cinematography um, by a guy named Donald McAlpine, uh, who has um, is actually Australian, um, and he did a great job, no doubt. Um, and he's done. He did Predator, for example. So he's done a lot of a lot of good films. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a perfect one for him to do because yeah, I mean, Predator is another jungle film or wilderness film. Uh, he actually did Patriot Games, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, so so um, a lot of big films. Romeo and Juliet, the one with uh, um, Leo. Uh, yeah, Leo. Moulin mm. uh, Rouge. Who, who was all by the way? Leo also in a movie about. Surviving in the a wilderness bear. after being attacked by a bear. By the way, that was Bart the Bear. Yeah, was that? Oh, oh, I think. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, you could be I, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was the name of that movie? Uh, uh, oh. Legends of the Fall. Yeah, he was. He was the bear. No, no, no Legends no. of the Fall was Brad Pitt. He was red. No, that was the Revenant. Oh, wrong, pretty yeah, boy. Sorry. Already, <laughs> yeah, he was already dead by then. Yeah, wrong, pretty boy. Exactly. Uh, Wait, Leonardo he, DiCaprio is dead. <laughs> No, the bear was dead. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Taylor Swift has a great line in uh, oh, good God. Uh, the man about Leonardo DiCaprio. It was great. Nobody cares. But, well, I had to get my my Taylor Swift line in at least. Yes, yeah. and I had to try and stop you from talking about it for another hour. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I think we should throw up the spoiler flag so we can get into some details. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. So we'll we'll throw up the spoiler at this time. Uh, generally, as you you notice, uh, listeners, uh, all of us like this one a lot. Uh, Eric recommended it. Uh, good recommendation. And uh, now we will talk about everything and anything. And the spoiler is up. The film is at this time only available um, to purchase uh, or rent. There is no free version. Whether you buy it on disc, VOD. Or purchase it as VOD. Uh, there is no free version of. But I think the I had gotten it for like four ninety nine, so it's not like I, I think. I yeah, it's not a premium it. title. Yeah. Right, right, because it's old. It's 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 mm-hmm. sickening to say, but it's an old film. I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what else is old? Us, us. That's right. I mean, I mean, uh, to be honest, when I, I watched this film and I saw Hopkins and Baldwin, I was like, I almost started crying. Because <laughs> it's like, oh my God, they, we used to be that age, and they were all now. Now Hopkins went in a. Now we're older than they are. Well, it, well, yeah, from that film. Well, almost. Uh, Hopkins was still sixty at that time, but was he? But, okay, yeah, but um, Baldwin was thirty-nine. So, um, but yeah, it was. It's just depressing because you know Hopkins just won the Academy Award at, at the age of eighty something or ninety or whatever the hell he is now, and it's like mm-hmm. Jesus. God damn it! Yeah, uh, I, was about, and, yeah, I was about to say JC, but I won't do it. So, if, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's very Jonathan cool. Carpenter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's one of these things. Remember Eric, the uh, horror etc. remake rule of twenty years. You know, well this mm-hmm. is this is totally eligible for a remake if anybody gave a damn. Yeah, yeah, but they don't. And why would you? Yeah, exactly. Well, be, well, exactly. You wouldn't because nobody would be going. Ah, the Edge. They're remaking The Edge, dear. Did you see they're remaking The Edge? <laughs> and then people go, "Are they bringing back Bart?" 
Is Bart coming? Well, no. and here's the thing is I, I am totally confounded about why this movie did not perform well at the box office. Cause this is back in the day when Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins were big names. And, and um, Elvis Fasten too. Yeah. I don't think she was billed on the movie though. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it like domestically it lost money. Its budget was 30 million in the U S and Canada. It did 27. So it ended up making a little bit of money worldwide, but still vastly underperformed expectations. And and I think that's just a shame. I, I have to wonder, we'd have to go back and see what did like open up against. Mm. Um, like, the, like you know, I don't know what would have opened in 97. Men in Black like would be a thing that came out that year, I think. Um, you know, that could always be the thing that does it. Um yeah, wow, seven million during its opening weekend, twenty seven point eight million. Worldwide <laughs> total for forty three point three. I mean, even adjusting for back then, that was not a huge. Um All right. I just pulled up a list of movies for September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety seven, which is when it came out. Oh well there's that. Things what that were released in September. Uh, it was actually number four at the box office. That's not good. Behind uh, In and Out, Soul Food, and The Peacemaker. Yeah, none of which. I, I all I could say is that it's September, and September traditionally, especially then, was not a time people were going to movies. It, it actually beat out The Game and L.A. Confidential. Wait, though, I remember seeing The Game on opening weekend. Was that The Game's opening weekend? Probably not. Yeah, yeah, opening saw, fourth saw, is never a good. Oh show. no, that, that, that was the game's seventeenth week. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's it. That's back when all your movies made money either in in May, June, and July, or November and December, and right. everything else was crap. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very rare, and oddly enough, I think Hunt for Red October being one of them. I think Hunt for Red October was like a February or March release. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but very rare for a movie like released in September. They, and now the question is, why would they release in September? And probably they didn't have a lot of confidence in it. Yeah. yeah really. um, but I don't know why. But I mean, I'm. But I, you know, I'll, I'll say like, um, I've I've run into Alec Baldwin twice. What do you mean? Um, yeah, once when I lived out in Southampton, I you know, late night run. Everyone's going to college out there. Late night run to 7-Eleven. He was there getting coffee. Mm-hmm. And then the movie The Juror was actually filmed at the museum I worked at. Speaking of bears at Bear Mountain State Park. Um, and he with him and Demi Moore and um, Tony Soprano, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Gandolfini. Yeah, James Gandolfini, who wasn't a, a big name at that point. But people said, well, did you did you did you talk to him? I said, what was I supposed to say? I thought the shadow was terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, well, but that, but, but, but this, but, Hunt, Red, Red, Red October. Right. Like so this was, juice. right. But this was a point where like he was, he was trying, he was a name, but he's like one of these people who's a name, but he, he, for some reason he really hadn't carried a lot of movies. I mean, nobody went to see Beetlejuice because, Right. Alec Baldwin was in it. They went to well, see it. I, I don't think. No, he, that was it. Was like his first year. It was his first film. He was a he, nobody. He's, I don't think he's ever been a person that people went to see the film for because everybody went to Red October because of, right. of uh, the, the the Scottishman, and 
Um, like you said, you know, he was James a nobody. Bond. Yeah, uh, uh, Sean Connery. And then, um, and then Winona Ryder was the big name for Beetlejuice. You know, so uh, Michael Keaton and Gene yeah, Davis. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So, and, you know, and more, you know, Harry, yeah, there's uh, not Catherine O'Hara and, um, yeah, yeah, so there, yeah, we, we get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of other people in these things. For whatever reason, people who, didn't who's go the one, see who's the Ellen Hash. He's like, he, he is Annie? like an Ellen Hash. Isn't that her name? The, the one that used to be married to Lou Diamond Phillips. I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, me either. Hash. The, the Anne one Hash? That, Anne Hash? Yeah, 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 that's it. Anne Hash. Yeah, right. Right. She's he's like one of those type where she got a big, big roles, but no one ever went to see because of Hash and never really carried a film and the few films that she did star in bombed, so she became a secondary actress. And same with Baldwin. I mean I think that's a really weird comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he is kind of like a hash. I mean, oh, yeah, and, if you say so. But like, I'm like, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, argue about it. <laughs> I'm looking on the numbers and his at his box office, and you know, it's he's got like a flat line from 2000 to 2008 because I guess he had either had no movies released or nothing significant. Probably because he was doing Thirty Rock at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, right, and it, he, right. and he or that was his star score. He like bumps up and then down again. It's like, but he's a lot of his stuff that did made a lot of money of late. You know, has been supporting roles. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, but, even even yeah. some of his his big roles that that people remember him for were supporting roles like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Right. I mean, and, right. And, well, that was that was the thing is that that really that really helped him because he got that. Um. Yeah. So, like, look at this. This is his. This is his 1988. She's having a baby. Beetlejuice. Married to the mob. Talk radio. Working girl. I mean, those were and those are all. If I remember correctly, fairly successful films. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, but he wasn't. He wasn't the lead for many. But he wasn't the lead. And then right. in '89 was Great Balls of Fire. '90 was Hunt for Red October. Um, right. Yeah. And then. Yeah, that's that's it. Like you got the getaway, which he tried to do in '94 with Kim Basinger. Uh, the Shadow, neither oh, of those did well. Uh, the the Juror, which again I was, was the one that the they filmed. Juror? No, it was just the Juror. No, oh, okay. uh, which was not a hit. I do it does make me wonder if that was a part of the, the source of the joke. I yeah, and then goes to Mississippi, which again I don't know that that was something that people went to right. see him so, for. I mean, Alec Baldwin is a name, but he's not a name draw. Right. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever watched him in anything and thought he was awful. Um, but I've never watched him in anything and thought, oh, he should get an award for that. He's just solid uh, in the middle. Well, well, like Larry uh, well, Ross. Well, yeah, going the cooler, which is, which is what he got the award for. for. Did he get an well, award for that? Well, oh, I absolutely, yeah. I think he had nominated. I don't think he won it. No, he won. I'm pretty sure he won. Uh, I don't think he did. I don't think anybody won. It doesn't matter. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I'm it doesn't it. matter. Why are we uh, spending this much time talking about this? I don't know. All right, here <laughs> it is. Because uh, we've already exhausted Bill Bart, uh, Bart the Bear and his filmography. He has been nominated, <laughs> but he's never won. Yeah. Oh, really? I always thought he won. Yeah, he got nominated for one Academy Award, and that is it. And that was probably Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. All nope, right. the, cooler, the Cooler. He wasn't even nominated for Glenn Gary Glenn Cooler Ross. is also a really good film. 
Was that the one with uh, William Macy? Yes. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says about Baldwin and Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, which he was awesome. I still think Spacey and Lemon were the two big stars in that. Oh, film. no, they were. Well, no. Uh, well, no, no, I don't, I don't mean part, big names. Yeah. I mean, I mean the roles they had, they were just awesome. Lemon was so awesome in that film, and and Spacey. That was the first film I noticed Spacey. I go, oh my god, this guy's good. So you guys want to talk about the Edge? Oh yeah, sir. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Mike's fault for, for going into the career of Baldwin. It usually is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll you bring we'll, me, you bring my brain. I just just follow <laughs> idea. Follow up. Okay. Right. Well, well, no, so yeah, go ahead. The beginning of this movie is as, uh, and we were joking around about Chekhov's this and Chekhov's this, but it really is just like a beautifully set up movie. Cause like at the beginning, they're all coming to this lodge in Alaska cause they're doing a photo shoot. And, uh, they, they give you all these things in the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of the movie when they're in a lodge that are going to come back later in the movie. And it's a little bit kind of obvious, but at the same time, I think for a general movie audience, appropriate. Um, so when it happens later in the movie, they're like, oh, yeah, they were talking about that. Um, so, yeah. at the And in the lodge, probably... They're, they're talking about bears and the first real scene we get is that um, it's Charles's birthday, but it, it seems like everybody's forgotten his birthday and his wife sends him to the kitchen to get her a sandwich. And while he's down there, we, we've gotten this lecture from the lodge owner about how there's a bear problem and you should never leave your food uncovered. And he goes into the kitchen and there's an uncovered ham and so he notices that the door is open and he quickly locks it and makes a sandwich. And then uh, everybody pulls out of the whole a prank on him. And somebody, <laughs> one thing I noticed on this watch today that I hadn't really noticed before is that Alec Baldwin jumps out wearing a bear skin to scare him as a prank. And then everybody jumps out and says surprise. And it's a surprise birthday party. But when Alec Baldwin jumps out in a in the, in the bear skin, there's a bear sound. <laughs> so I'm like, where the fuck did the bear sound come from? Was that is Alec Baldwin have a good bear impression? What well, the hell you that? know, he does a, a an incredible Tracy Morgan uh, impression. So yeah, I imagine he could do a great bear too. <laughs> but but did you notice that when you were watching the movie? I didn't. It's uh, a weird well, thing. You probably had like a uh, micro cassette with a bear recording. I, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened, Eric. For me, I was like in tense situation where I was about to piss my pants. That's <laughs> the scariest part of the film. I was like, "Holy shit!" What, oh my god! It's gonna... um, because I have this fear of of because I I walk a lot in the forest with my dog and and I'm always worried about bears because we have a lot of them around oh, here. Bears Black. are an appropriate thing to be afraid of, so don't feel bad. Yeah, so you're not like being this, a fool for being afraid of bears, right? So, so yeah, I mean, we had a whole thirty-minute argument about bear spray from at a gas station for Christ's <laughs> sake in one episode. You know what's funny, Phil? Is that I swear to God, 
when we were talking about the bear spray, I had never heard about it before in my life. And since it came up during that episode, yeah, yeah. Like, it keeps on getting mentioned all over the goddamn place. I'm like, how come nobody was talking about this before that episode? <laughs> right. It's weird, right? I, I've had weird things like that happen to me, too. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, the, I was just like pissing my pants. So I didn't even notice, you know. So any uh-huh. of the, the, the things that they added specifically scare me even more mm-hmm. just went over my head because i was just so engrossed with the scene you know that i was like well and and one Christ. thing that was done very effectively in that scene as well is that the music they use is the same oh, as yes. that they use later when you see the actual bear oh nice nice yeah i didn't yeah. Even notice that uh, because i was there's, freaking there's out. the whole the the whole sliding brass Right. I, I had yeah. to pause the damn film and text Eric saying, kill that fucking bear. <laughs> like, literally like freaking out. Well, the funny thing is I was I was long asleep at that point. So I just got up in the morning and to the, all these texts on my phone. Oh, my God, the bear. Kill that fucking bear. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, this is the most intense and scary film I've ever seen because of the, because it's real. Those are the bears. Now I understand why Eric. Now I understand why you And that's why I was. I understand now why you were asking people the other day on Facebook, "Should I hug a bear?" Because you were probably rewatching this film or something. I don't know. It's like actually no. Now that you mention it, I was. I was. There was some other video with a bear in it that looked super fuzzy that I wanted to hug. Oh yeah, yeah you don't want to touch those things. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was actually almost right. I, I, I will modify that with under most circumstances, because like right. the dude that trained Bart, he he was very close with the bear and he could like wrestle with it without it maiming him. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think his name is the last name was S.E.U.S. or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it's like, what do you do when you walk in, into of bear in the woods. But you know what's the thing about this film here is that, okay, I forgot all about the bear. And so when they're in the middle of the woods, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, all right, all right, they're going to be looking for food. They're going to be freezing. It's going to rain. It's going to snow. Mm-hmm. All this other BS. And then suddenly the bear appears. It's like, oh, fuck. It's <laughs> even worse. even worse. <laughs> Never mind. And, and then, then, then you know what I was thinking was, I just, we just we did an episode on another plane crash in Alaska, and mm-hmm. it was a bunch of wolves. So that, right. what ha- happens if the wolves show up too? Holy shit! I was like, <laughs> I was like, I I, just, I I would probably have to find a, a vine and just hang myself in it, and, and <laughs> just gonna. <laughs> oh, so we had this whole scene at the lodge where they surprise him for his birthday, and um. His wife gives him uh, a pocket watch with an engraving in it and uh, Bob, who's uh, Alex Baldwin's character. And by the way, I just love I love the way Anthony Hopkins just says Bob. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you that. Bob. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, Bob gives him a knife. And I'm, I'm mentioning this for a reason because it comes up later. Chekhov's knife. Right. Chekhov's watch. Um yeah, so everybody's having a good time, and then the next day, they're doing the photo shoot, and um, Anthony Hopkins is watching uh, Bob <laughs> work with his wife on the photo shoot, and it's not lost on them that there's some uh, some attraction going on there. And you know what's then, interesting is that I didn't even know 
that she was a model until that scene because I don't think it was announced in advance. No, they they didn't mention it until you saw it going on. Right, right, yeah. Um, but then uh, the lodge owner sits down with Anthony Hopkins at one point and is talking to him about how beautiful this place is, and then like whips out these plans for developing the area, and is like, for just thirty or forty million dollars, we could. And, and Charles just cuts him right off. He's like, he just says, ah. And the guy's like, what? And Charles just gets up and walks away. Cause like clear this guy had a plan to try and get his money to make this development. And he's pretty annoyed by it. And that's the only reason he ends up going on this trip with, uh, with Bob uh, and his assistant, Steven, who's Harold Perrineau, um, is because the, <laughs> cause Bob becomes obsessed with finding this Native American guy that he saw in a picture who has the right look that he wants for this photo shoot. And uh, they, they're going to go off and try and find him. And the only reason Charles goes with him is because he's been so annoyed by the guy that owns the lodge and wants to get away from him for a while. So right. he ends up uh, getting in the plane to go find that guy. But you're right, right, with the pilot. And, and you know what's funny is that at the end of the film, because there's a scene later in the movie where um, Charles says, maybe I'm not going to go back to my regular life. Uh-huh. I'm going to do something else. And I swore that was a, another Chekhov's something, where we were going to find out at the end of the film he was going to agree to uh, with L.Q. Jones's character and say, you know what? I'm going to give you that 30 and 40 million and we'll become partners. Mm-hmm. But but that didn't happen, so it was wasn't a checkoff. Uh, it was it was nothing. <laughs> right. It was nothing. I was disappointed. It was it was, a, it was a reason to get him on the plane, is what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I really liked L. Q. Jones as as uh, I guess Styles is the character's name. I'm staring at on IMDb right now. Uh, yes, right. I, I liked his character of the lodge owner because he was. Uh, oh, he's he's like authentic. Great. I would say. Right, yeah, yeah, and that's why Peckinpah and and stuff always used him because he just had something about him that fit that type of character, that rugged, you know, like Scott Glenn or 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 the, or the guy that um, what was his name? The, the guy that was in uh, um, the right stuff that that played the fighter pilot that never got to fly in space, but he broke the sound barrier. What's the actor's name? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, but you, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Vaguely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's one of those guys that that just had something about him. Uh, yeah, let me, let me bring up that movie there. Right stuff matter. movie. Yeah, I know, but now it's going to bother uh, me for the next four hours if I don't remember find out what the guy's <laughs> name is. Uh, so, Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. Sam, Sam Shepard. The mustache. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, son of a bitch. Sam, Sam Elliott. Yeah, you're thinking of Sam Elliott. But yeah, he's another one. Sam Elliott. That's a good one, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Shepard is a, is a different one. He's not the one with the mustache. But Elliott, Shepard, Scott Glenn. Uh, oh, uh, 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 the guy that played the, the staff sergeant in uh, Full Metal Jacket. What's his name? R.L. Oh, uh, Remy? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jones is like one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. 
Welcome to Remembering These Actors, the podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the three guys end up on the plane to go try and find the uh, Native American dude. And they arrive at the, the cabin where they were told he was at. And there's a note saying that he went hunting somewhere. Uh, and so they decide to go off and try and find him there. And when they're on the way over there, their plane gets hit by a bunch of birds, which is God, like a really yeah, bad Canadian thing to happen to an airplane. Wait, wait, repeat that once more. About- As I said on the way over there, the plane gets hit by a bunch of birds, which is a really bad thing to happen to an airplane. Yeah, yeah, that 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 really well, does suck. Then yeah. you I mean, think that will fuck up a commercial jet. That's I I, yeah. I would think if the plane sh- if it's bad for a plane to hit the birds, maybe they shouldn't go up in the air. <laughs> Yeah, that, or maybe that's where the birds are. Air. Just like well, people bitching about getting attacked by sharks. Well, don't go in the fucking ocean. Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, well, you hear about, about the birds always getting sucked into the jet engines and shit. And, and mm-hmm. you see this film here and this film makes me say, you know what? I don't right. want to fly anymore. You know, uh, that, I, that's what happened to uh, Sully, uh, who landed the plane in the Hudson. Right. Uh, that was a bird strike. Oh, uh, it was the birds? Yeah. Yeah. God damn! Yeah, see, it's not. It's yeah, not see, Hitchcock it. knew. Nope. Hitchcock knew. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, you does, dude. You know what, John Madden was right. Always. You know what's not bothered by a bird coffee. strike? What? A car. That's, that's why we should have, that. That's why we should have flying cars. The dude, car dude. should be in the air. That, the planes, deer don't bother planes. Planes should be on the ground. The best part of uh, Madden, when 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 uh, it was it was uh, Summerall and and Madden doing the, the game, when they used to do the the Hawaii Bowl, uh, Madden would say, "Yeah, so we 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 hooked up my RV to a boat and we and we we, we uh, shipped over to Hawaii, and that's why we're here at the 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 Honolulu Bowl, whatever the hell the bowl." Is. I bet they did actually. He had the yeah, money. Yeah, he probably. Yeah, he probably did take a boat or something, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I can't blame my boats are maybe safer. I don't know. But then again, well, right before anyway, sorry. the bird strike, um, Charles turns to Bob because he's he's kind of sniffed out the fact that Bob is having an affair with his wife. You mean Bob? Bob? Bob. Uh, <laughs> he says, how are you planning on killing me, Bob? <laughs> that was a Chekhov's gun right there. And and right after he says that is when the bird strike happens and the plane crashes into a lake. Pilot dies. The rest of them survive, but they're in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, soaking wet, cold, and with no means of transportation. Or oh, and and they didn't they didn't like let people know where they were going, so no one knows where they are. That's also true. Yeah, that that's the worst part. You know, it's similar mm-hmm. to the descent when they, they don't they don't. You know, list the cabin right. they go, go to, to an uncharted cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great that's idea. Not, yeah, not too, not, not mm-hmm. smart. smart. So, yeah, that kind of blows. Big time. No, but the first part of this movie is a lot of the dialogue, right? Yeah. Um, Thirty minutes. There's, there's three guys, and they're they're talking about they're freaking out on on different levels about being stranded in Alaska um, and what they're going to do. And Charles's character is very uh, book knowledge oriented. He has a lot of things he has memorized, uh, but hasn't been put into position to put into use. And this is a situation where he's got a whole bunch of uh, facts about how to survive in a wilderness, but he's not like 
somebody who ever goes camping. Uh, so he's never actually used any of the knowledge. He just has it in his brain. And he's actually um, the one that's calm and kind of kind of takes charge of the situation and, and kind of steers them uh, towards a plan of how they might get out of the wilderness. Right, now, right. something that I found interesting about this is that his character, they don't really say what what his business is, but he's clearly like CEO or something of some some business empire. And one of the things that's true about people that tend to end up in those positions is that they're very good um, at not panicking. Um because they're the they're usually the answer guy, right? Everybody comes to them for what's going to happen. Um, so you know when when something's happened and at a big company and there's some news story or the stock market's going berserk, uh, people go running to them and they have to sit there and calm-headedly uh, tell them what to do. And I think that's a pretty realistic portrayal here in that Charles is is not panicking. He's just thinking logically, okay, okay, here's the situation we're in. What are, what are we going to do next? Uh, where the other guys are like, ah, God, we're in the middle of the woods. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I also enjoyed that later at a certain point, he's the one that gets down uh, after, after a certain event. And the other guys kind of pick him up and pull him along. So they're all kind of leaning on each other. Um, at different points. Um, well, right <laughs> up to a certain point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. B- basically, uh, even even when Charles f's up, he well, still was, say was, he f'd up. It was just well, bad luck. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, he he was like you know not, you know we'll, we'll persevere. Still, it's when he almost dies from the fall into the river and the beer and all that other stuff. Well, that's, he loses the flares. That's what he's upset about. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And, and so that, that kind of made him almost lose hope. And, and then yeah. it was, uh, it was either, uh, um, Baldwin or Perno's character that said, uh, how do you die in the wilderness? You die, die of shame. shame. Yep. Right. And what that means for folks who don't know what the hell we're talking about is, that you feel pity for yourself and therefore you just die because of that. And you don't die because of uh, bad luck or, or wounding yourself or, or just not making it. If you do die that way, that's rare. The people who really die quick are the ones that just feel pity for themselves or, or shame. If you yeah, they sit there and, and think, how could I have let myself get into this situation and right. start obsessing about that rather than trying to figure out how to get out of it. Exactly. Exactly. At least yeah. according to Charles. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes sense. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mamet wrote it, wrote it. So it has to be real. What? <laughs> that? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I hey. do not endorse that statement. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're awfully quiet. You have anything to say about this? Not at the moment. No. Okay. Just checking in. 
Um, <laughs> so they trek off and, uh, Charles makes a compass out of a needle, um, putting it on a, uh, rubbing it on silk and putting it on a leaf in water. Apparently it will point north. Which we Which discussed. Which is I've heard hunt. in other places. So I think there's some amount of truth to that. All right, we, we discussed that in the hunt. Yeah. So they go off and they try and head south. Um, but along the way, they run into Bart. <laughs> and Bart's a scary mofo. Um, the first time they see it, the first thing he does, even before he starts chasing him, is he does this thing with his lip. I guess it's kind of a snarl kind of thing. It's just like, oh, I don't want to mess with that bear. And then the bear starts chasing them. And uh, they end up, I guess Bart felt sorry for them and gave them a head start. Because they end up at a river and they have to like pull up this fallen tree and heave it across the river as a makeshift bridge. Um, which would have taken a while. I'm pretty sure the bear would have caught up to him at that point, but whatever, it's a movie. Um, and then when they're crossing the tree over the river, uh, Charles has the flares in a bag and Bart wants to eat him. So he's trying to shake the log um, to get him to fall off. And he's successful. And uh, although uh, Bob and Stephen end up saving him and pulling him out of the river. He loses the bag of flares and that's when he gets super upset. Yeah. Yeah. Or depressed or whatever. Yeah. He starts to lose hope. That's always, that's always a thing I have some trouble with in that suspension of disbelief is humans running away from an animal. Mm -hmm. Like, like you wouldn't get 10 feet and they would, they would catch up. They, They always, the animals always seem to want to give people a head start. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens later too. But in, in movies, you mean, Mike? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we can add that to uh, all pregnant women in films throw up. And what was the other one that we said last week? <laughs> I forget. But, yeah. yeah, it's a movie trope. Because yeah. uh, I think I think bears have been clocked at thirty miles an hour. Yeah, they, they, they're they're they, they're they're pudgy, but they're fast fuckers. Yeah, yeah. they're nimble. They're nimble like a deer. Yeah, I know. I, I remember you're showing, not getting away from them. I remember showing one nature video in class where there's a de- a bear chasing a deer down a mountain, uh-huh. and it's just like, oh, it's like kind of scary. It's just really yeah. just, oh, dude, dude, dude. Every every time the bear was on the film and they were running, I, I just was thinking to myself. I was like, oh my god, what do I do? What do I do? Dude, I've had these <laughs> thoughts thousands, not just. Ten times, but thousands of times in my mind. Almost well, like, and there's a scene later I'll talk about, which is really just one of the most pants crapping moments I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> like, like if, if I walk into the bed, do, do I let my dog loose and let her run? Do, do I pick her up? Do, do, I, do, I, do, I, what do I do? I try to climb. What, what do I do? What do I do? So I like freak. It's like don't uh, climb a tree. That's a bad it, plan. Yeah, it's like one of my worst nightmares. It's um, so they initially get away from the bear, um, but end up walking in a full circle back to their original campground. Oh, dude, that was so devastating. It was pretty, I wanted was, to cry. I wanted to cry. That was pretty devastating. And so uh, Stephen and, and Bob um, are freaking out and um, 
Anthony Hopkins becomes the strong one again is like, we need, we need a plan. And uh, in order to distract Steven, because Steven is, is more despondent than anybody else. Uh, he gives him a, a stick and a knife and tells him to uh, carve a spear. And apparently, I don't know how you do that. Cause I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I had a, a Swiss army knife and I used to, uh, you can actually ask, Kevin about this. He can, he can verify this. I used to cut down saplings and carve wooden swords out of them. Uh, and I don't know how you managed to fuck yourself up as badly as Steven did while you're, while you're whittling a sapling. Yeah. It takes yeah. I, talent. I mean, I mean it, it's, I, it's possible because I've done some stupid things while, you, you know, when I'm cooking or whatever, but mm-hmm. he, what he did, it was like, he almost, he, Cut his artery. It's like what? The I mean, I, like I, I'd be way more willing to buy like slicing your finger open, uh, yeah. and then yeah, like yourself in the leg like that. I'm like, how the fuck do you even do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, and, I, and, and that was the point. He turned into the red shirt. I go, oh, he's all yeah. Bad. See, growing up in a rural area, being able to turn a stick into a spear was kind of like boy 101. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's like the. It's like the one thing that I don't care how untalented an artist you are, if you have a stick, you take a stick and a knife, and make pointy. Yeah, you can, you, you can make a spear. I mean, it may not work <laughs> as like the thing that you can throw and kill a deer with, mm-hmm. but you can make a stick pointy. That that's exactly <laughs> it, right? Like like you said, right. Eric. So because make a stick pointy, anybody should be able to make a stick pointy. <laughs> and Dude. I'm guessing. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into a black and white thing. Maybe Harpernow just didn't know how. Didn't grow up in a rural area where he had to make sticks. Well, well that's, that's what he was thing. doing. Is like it, he would know how to open a fire well, hydrant, maybe. Well, but. well, well, that's that, that's the thing. Is is that uh, that black folk in the United States, for folks who are in other countries that listen to us, which we do have a lot. Um, for example, today we had over 450 downloads. I couldn't believe it. It was like we had just 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 dark discussions podcast itself. Cool. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it was weird. What episode? Um, uh well 450 so it was all different ones it was oh like okay i thought oh, it was combined gotcha yeah 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 well usually you know you get like 50 that's a, a download an episode but this is like <laughs> yeah that was like the whole the whole thing it's like what the hell so anyway um the you know you know for black folk are are as apt to be rural as they are to be city and though hollywood usually shows them as mostly i would say 80 percent city versus Mm-hmm. But but with this guy's hairstyle and the type of clothes he wore, he seemed more like he was, as Mike said, a city folk. Mm-hmm. So he probably wasn't a guy that was was twiddling with with sticks yeah. to spears. He, he didn't grow up picking sticks. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> was, was not. Oh, so they have to camp out there overnight um, before they before they make their plan to journey on, um, and. It starts raining like heck. Uh, it's just like absolutely pouring. In the middle of the storm, uh, Charles notices that Bob did not follow instructions properly. He told him to take the bloody clothes and bury them, but he just threw them up into a tree. And uh, as, they're, as they're arguing about it, about uh, how it puts the scent of blood in the air, uh, Bear shows up. Steve goes, holy shit. <laughs> and he's, he's a he's a goner man. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, at this point, when I watch that scene, I can I can really noticeably tell it's a mannequin that Bart's shaking around. But the first time you see it, you're just like, oh, my God. And yeah, um, Charles tries to help, but ultimately almost gets eaten by Bart himself. Um, and uh, Charles and Bob run off into the night where uh, while well, Bart has a nice meal on Steven. It was a terrible. And there's some crunching noises going on. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, Well, it's Steve screaming, and then suddenly you don't hear him scream anymore, and you hear a crunch, and it's like, oh, his head, Jesus Christ, his his brains and eyeballs. And I was like, and again, my my worst nightmare. What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) This movie really disturbed me terribly. (laughs) Well, it's a it's a horrible situation to be in. Because Um, it's real. It's real. It could it could theoretically happen. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it would happen exactly like this movie, but yeah. Well, you I could, just remember you could get lost in the woods and get attacked by a bear for sure. Dude, there was these two Indian American guys, Indian as in you know, like East uh, Central Asian Indians that were in uh, hiking just in freaking Jersey like mm-hmm. four months ago, and, and and one of them got eaten by by a black bear. No, mm-hmm. not even a Kodiak, but a black bear. And it's like uh, all, bears all bears that, are dangerous. Yeah, and those are the bears, <laughs> bears that that are in my my neighborhood. And and the thing is, is that this guy, you know, they're they're talking. They go, look, look, there's the bear, you know, and they're they're filming it on the camera. And then, and then and they go, and then you know, the news reporter says, uh, within five minutes, he was dead. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Dude, this movie was so disturbing. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could ever watch it again. So. Oh, so there's the great cut. I mean, from when, when Steven's getting eaten to just, it's just uh, Charles and Bob terrible. huddled up next to each other in the snow on the mountain, just staring off into the distance. <laughs> it's just like, Oh God, what, what do we do now? I know. I, know. I mean, it was just terrible. I don't know what to say. And they so they keep trucking, uh, yeah. and they eventually realize they need to eat, and they catch a squirrel and get very excited about it, and then hear a search helicopter, uh, and and try and wave it down, but they're in the woods when it flies over, so it can't see them. And by the time they get to a clearing, it's already out of sight. Um, and Charles gets despondent, and Charles tries to distract him by giving him a riddle about how do you get fire from ice and they argue about it for a while. Uh. <laughs> that was actually a cool thing, but you know what? That was, not, that was a fake, um, Chekhov's, uh, ice to, to fire. Oh, you thought they were going to have to do it later. Yeah. 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 That would have been mm-hmm. awesome, but it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Basically for folks who don't know what it is, it's, it's basically what you do. How do you turn ice into fires? You, you, crunch the ice into like a magnifying glass and then you use mm-hmm. it to uh create a fire like a magnifying glass and i thought mm-hmm. that was that's awesome i don't know but, if it would actually work yeah i don't know either it could melt before but but you'd, you'd need some pretty clear effing ice in order to pull that off true true and you'd have to curve it just right <laughs> right right, right, right. but if anybody could do that it would be anthony hopkins that's true that's true yeah, yeah, he's the, he's the man. <laughs> so they keep trucking, and then um, there's a scene where uh, 
I guess the squirrel wasn't entirely satisfying, so Anthony Hopkins goes fishing. And while he's fishing, <laughs> Bart sneaks up on him. And this is one this is one I really appreciate about this movie because he's fishing and it's a very, very quiet scene. And I'm sure uh Somebody had to make somebody had to talk producers out of putting a sting on the moment that you see the bear because there's no sound sting. It's just Anthony Hopkins ah. is is fishing, and oh then you God. see him look up like he suddenly feels like he's being watched, and he just like turns around, and the bear is standing there like. 20 feet away from him. I, I wanted to cry. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. This movie's so disturbing. I was like, I, I, I almost, I had to almost shut it off. It was, it was just terrible. But, <laughs> well, and so then the bear starts chasing him. And this is one of the things that Mike was talking about where, yeah, the, if this is real life, the bear certainly would have caught him. Um, but like this scene is truly one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in a movie. I'm like including horror movies too. Uh, oh, this was more scary than any stuff. horror Oh, more scary than any horror film I've ever seen. <laughs> I watch a lot of stuff. And hey, very folks, in case you don't know, action. Phil does take a lot of walks in the woods. So yeah. This may may hit a little close to home. <laughs> yeah. Right. A big time. And near the Canadian <laughs> border where shot. Bart is known to reside. Right. And, and you know what? My, my, my father-in-law even bought me uh, a bear mace and a blowhorn because he was worried okay. that I, I would be basically uh, Steve. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's one shot in this movie where where Anthony Hopkins is running through the woods and he's like weaving back and forth in between all these little trees and the bear is chasing behind him and the bear is not darting or weaving. He is just running in a straight line plowing over all of these trees on his way to Anthony Hopkins. Oh, <laughs> Dude, it was like Godzilla like, walking through through like a, a forest, knocking everything down. You know, I mean, it's like, holy shit! It's like like playing a video game where you're driving through the woods and you're, you're knocking all of the 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 saplings down. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Was like holy shit, that bear is just level. I'm like, it's they're twigs. Exactly, exactly. And that is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in the movie, by far. <laughs> Um, and eventually he's able to get away by diving through a deadfall. Yes. Yeah. The bear would have eaten him if it were real life, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a movie. So he gets away and gets back to bulb and you know know what what that, that scene reminded me of it reminded me of Duke and, uh, predator when he gets his head blown off because he was in the the deadfall like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just, it just kind of reminded me, which, because it was the same cinematographer. How about that? Anyway, that's true. Uh, so he makes it back to Bulb, and the two of them uh, pretty much make a circle of fire uh, to ward off the bear. Um, but they hear it around them all night long, and they decide that really their only course of action at this point is to kill the bear because clearly it's following them and and it's not going to stop. Well, there was a good uh, beginning in the beginning when uh, L.Q. Jones' character was talking about bears and how they're once they taste blood, they will eat. I mean, human they'll blood. just they'll just go after humans forever because it's the mm-hmm. most tastiest thing ever. And so Anthony Hopkins says this. He goes, "This is a man eater. It's a man eater. 
he's he's he ain't gonna stop. He's been following us ever since taking out Steve. Uh-huh. Like, God damn it, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, I I do question the scientific veracity of that that statement, but yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure that's a movie thing. But like, I mean, I don't know if like bear like I mean like bears don't go. Yeah, it's okay. You know, it's just right. well, well. If if, if Steve, I mean, like, oh my well, God, Steve it's was... crack! It's bear. Humans are bear crack. <laughs> well, you got you got to you got to look at this, Mike. You got to look. At this. Steve was pretty easy to eat because you know he's hurt, so you know, just chew him up and eat him, and he tasted good. He's big, good male, feed, feed you for a week. So I'm going to follow these these two other losers for the next. You know, this is this is just my prey. It's it, you know what it is? It's like sheep for humans. You know, we just let them walk or. Or maybe Bart's misunderstood, and he was just going to grab some fish and ran into Anthony Hopkins, who was taking his fish away. He just wanted to give him a hug because he was cold. <laughs> right, right. But 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 you know what though? Let's say he, it was just a mistake, and he ran into Hopkins, which could have. You're right. The point is, is like I just ate your buddy Steve, and he was pretty good. And you're right here now. Fuck the uh, the teeny trout. I'm going after you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, a, a large predator like that. I think they're less concerned with taste and more concerned with calories. Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's just. Oh, I don't think it's that the humans are tasty. I think it's just that they realize humans are easy food. Right. Yes, and a lot of calories. Yes. Like, yeah. So right. It's fun. food that they don't have to fight a lot and expend a lot of energy to get it. So yeah, they're 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 there might be empty calories depending right. on who they eat. But <laughs> that's true. That's true. But but they're they're big. They're, humans are big. You know, they're you know two hundred pound guy say. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these are guys and not not you know one thirty woman, and and so they're as big as deers. You know, so that's that's a, that's a good a good that's meal. A good meal. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you said, most humans are no calorie, but. But you know, we'll, we'll assume Anthony Hopkins. You know, he's he's done some good in his character, so he he knows he's probably a good two hundred calories there, <laughs> or whatever. So, so they decide they're going to kill the bear, and and Bob needs to be talked into it. Um, so there's there's this great scene where where uh, Charles is getting them all hyped up for it. Um, and he's saying, "I'm going to kill the bear," and he's getting he's getting Bob to say it back. And he's like, "What one man can do, another man can do." And he gets Bob to say it back a few times. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins has this great moment where he just looks right into the camera and he's like, "I'm going to kill the motherfucker." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah!" Um, that's right. That, and right, right, right. And that's when I think I texted you saying, "Kill that fucking bear." <laughs> Anthony Hopkins got me all wound up too. <laughs> so they come up with a plan to kill the bear, and it was the bear's territory to begin with. Just I know, um, saying <laughs> that's not true. That, that, that he doesn't have he does not have property rights. <laughs> it's uh, a, I'm pretty sure he marked that territory. It's a movie. Um, so they go through this whole trouble of setting up some traps. And making some spears, uh, they are much more successful at it than Stephen was. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, they basically use the scent of blood to lure the bear back. Uh, and I really love the scene where they where they confront the bear because it it doesn't go smoothly. Uh, <laughs> like the first thing they have is this. Uh, trap they made with a with a swinging uh, spiky ball, 
and they get the bear. This, into was, this position. was like a predator. You, they get the bear into position and they launch the thing and it just swings right past the bear and the bear's just looking at it like, what was that? Was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, oh my God, if they failed, they're dead. Oh, and then they kind of got him with the backswing. It was a glancing blow. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the bear chases them down to the river and they had anticipated that, but they still get down there and they've got a couple of spears uh, and the bear's fighting them. And it's really, after you've watched it the first time and enjoyed the adrenaline rush of the scene, to go back and watch it again and try and pick out where there are stunt people and where there is a real bear. And they actually did have an animatronic bear that they made for this scene. Um, Because I don't care how well trained your bear is, if you start poking it with spears, it will defend itself. Uh, (laughs) So... um, yeah, it's really interesting to go back and try and watch that scene and then pick out where the real bear is and where the stuntmen are and all that. Um, but it's it's pretty effective. Uh, even if you know all that, you can kind of see some stuff, but it's still a really effective scene where uh, the two guys are trying to fight this bear and their whole strategy is to try and get it to rear up uh, and then fall forward onto one of their spears so its own body weight will impale it. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. That it's, I mean, it's, it's, I would believe that that's a strategy that that people have used. You're right, right, right. The other one was was get it in the eye, get it in the eye. <laughs> I was I was wait, waiting for them to stab it in the eye, in the eye, in the eye. And, they, and they didn't do it. I was like, bummer. Yeah, because I don't but, know what uh, they do. Jesus Christ, that's terrible. Yeah, so the bear kind of uh, got a got a blow in on uh, Bob, um, and then Charles ends up being the one who gets the career up and fall on the spear and kills it. I, I actually, for a second there, I actually thought he was dead. Like the bear. Oh, you're supposed to because yeah. he's, he's under the bear and like he's on his back facing up and his eyes are open and he's not like moving or blinking or anything. You're just like, Oh my God, did the bear get him anyway? And then he finally like, well, I didn't even think that. Stir. I just thought it was like a hundred, a thousand pounds of weight would just crush you. You're dead. Well, it wasn't dead on top of him because if, if it was dead on top of him, you might be right. It might it might crush yeah. you. Yeah, because yeah. bears are not small. No, not these. Not the well, kids. unless they're babies, but this one was right. not. Yeah, right, 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 right. No, but it was like across him with his arm over it and that. So I don't, I don't think it would have crushed him. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the one good thing about this scene was is that that they get to eat it. Yes. Although apparently you need some seasoning. Um, right. And that's what I was thinking. It's true. I was like, it, because it just tastes like, what's it taste like? It's just like, it's like pork bear. without any, yeah, but, like but, bear, yeah. Well, he, he's right. He says you need, you need the, you need the, the salt, but, but yep. Anthony Hopkins says you can use gunpowder. It's like, yep. yeah, but we don't have any guns. How's that going to help us? You damn dumbass. But, <laughs> so no, but the, 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 the killing of the bear actually, uh, is a big boon for them because they get some food and they also get to make themselves some nice bearskin coats, um, which I'm sure helped with the cold. And then they each got a bear claw necklace, which is just a cool memento. Um, I mean, how badass is that? How badass would that be if you did that and the rest of your life, you got to walk around with a bear claw and around your neck and have people ask you about it. You get to tell that fucking story. Look, as long as you, you, you did it yourself with a stick, mm-hmm. 
there you go. Mm-hmm. Like anybody, oh, okay, like don't great. like um, don't don't go buying it at the the, the corner store. All oh, right, that's what it's saying. Right. Well, so, yeah, so there's before, no story behind it. Before we we continue, there's some interesting things about this film that I liked. Like you know, Eric, you mentioned how you know they they uh, start. Hopkins is, is trying to fish for, for food or mm-hmm. they capture the squirrel or, you know, you know, they're, they're having Steve make a spike and, and all that stuff is just red herrings because the squirrel, they as catch far the squirrel. As well, well, you think they're, they're important aspects of the film, you know, all right, they caught the squirrel, they're going to have the food, but then, then the helicopter comes and the squirrel is lost and mm-hmm. then, you know, they run. And then when he's fishing, you, you know, you think, okay, good. They're going to get, they're going to get food. And, and the, the bear shows up. Right. The bear shows yeah, up. And gotcha. So that, that whole, yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool because it had all these like non sequiturs that mm-hmm. actually fit in perfectly without ruining the thing, you know, because they always say, you know, if you're going to have something in the film, you should always you should carry it through, right? Because mm-hmm. like you always say, Mike, if you're going to have a gun uh, on the wall, then you better have. I it. didn't say that. Chekhov said it. Right, <laughs> that's what I meant. So, so, but, but here they did do things that make it look like they're going to be important to the film, but they're really not. Mm-hmm. And 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 the non sequitur to change to the next scene kind of actually. Uh, worked really good. I felt I thought, so. It was just an interesting thing I noticed about the film. Mm-hmm. And then they never returned to the fishing after they go. Well, you know, because at that point, it's lost the, the hook. Well, and also I imagine that they have food for a while. I mean, they certainly didn't eat that bear in one seat sitting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, and even at this point in the film, we're already we still have a. Th- 30 something minutes and it's like okay so something else is going to happen this was the beer well, they're still in the middle of nowhere right 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 exactly <laughs> so i was thinking how how, how are they going to do 30 more minutes without having the, the threat mm-hmm. you know i mean i mean it, oh, you could have the threat of you know starvation and the cold and all that stuff but but it's even the gray the threat was the wasn't that it was the the wolves mm-hmm. so so it's like, what's going to happen? So I'm thinking, all right, so maybe something's going to happen between Baldwin and Hopkins. So I kind of guessed that something was mm-hmm. fish going to happen. So well, and and it was it was set up too because they actually did have a conversation about it. At one point, Bob's like, "Is it just me, or did right before we crashed, did you ask me how I'm planning to kill you?" Uh, and they have a whole conversation about how Charles thinks he's uh, after his wife and his money. Uh, and Bob's like, well, no, 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 no. But even if I did, I need you to get me out of here. Uh, <laughs> so they did set it up. It wasn't out of nowhere. And, right, uh, right. That's true, that's true. so after they kill the bear, they go on their way and they eventually come across this, uh, what was it? Uh, just somebody's cabin or a ranger station. I was a long, I think, I think it was a hunter's cabin. Okay. In other words, uh, not the, the place that they usually live, but it was a place that they stayed at when they went out deep into the woods for hunting. Mm-hmm. That was my guess. Um, now, when they were walking around, mm-hmm. the first thing I thought, even before Hopkins found a dead pit, was mm-hmm. I was thinking one of them is going to fall in a dead pit because they mm-hmm. have the Chekhov's gun at the Native American guy's house. Mm-hmm. Which was the the dead pit, which is basically a pit for a bear to the fall in. Fall, yep. Yeah, a dead fall. That's it. Thank you. So I was like, 
Yeah, yeah you don't want to just start walking around well, there. So I thought and that, that was, was yeah, Deadfall was originally considered as the title for the movie, but I guess they felt it would give too much away. Spoiler warning. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, so they end up at this at this place, and uh, there's a canoe there that floats. Um, and so at this point, I guess Bob decides he doesn't need Charles to survive anymore. And so he starts, uh, working up the courage to murder him. And at the same time, Anthony Hopkins, or sorry, Charles, um, discovers in the box for his knife, um, the receipt for his pocket watch. Uh, with the inscription and uh, Bob's watch with an inscription um, says, thanks for all the nights from Mickey, which is uh, Charles's wife. So, um, and this is actually something that uh, I didn't pick up the first time I watched the movie, but I certainly, certainly stuck like, stuck like a Thor sore thumb with this time, which is that when they originally crash, and they're trying to figure out how to figure out which way's north. Uh, Charles asks Bob for his watch, and he just goes, "Oh, it's it's broken." Watch, what watch? <laughs> uh, and then later on in the cabin, um, after he's seen the receipt with the inscription, he he asks him about it again, asks if he can see his watch. He's like, "It's broken." He's like, "Can I see it anyway?" And that's when. Everything comes to light that, yes, Bob is indeed planning on killing Charles so he can have his wife to himself. And the wife can get all the money. <laughs> Assuming he doesn't get caught for murder. Um, but, yeah, so he takes him outside um, and is is going to shoot him. And he's having a little trouble. He wants Bob, He wants Charles to turn around so he doesn't have to look him in the eye when he kills him. And he's not doing it and he's kind of just kind of biding his time. And eventually, even though Bob is the one with the gun, he keeps on taking like little half steps towards him and Bob keeps backing up until eventually he steps into the deadfall and falls into a pit full of spikes. So, yeah. Um, and at this point, Charles rescues him. I don't know if that would have been my reaction in that situation. <laughs> he does yeah. press him with the gun for them for a moment, um, but then proceeds to unload the gun and get him out of the pit. Well, because well, he's, a, he's the better man. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the reason he didn't he didn't kill him. Though, if he did kill him, I, I still would consider him a good man because you know when you kill a sociopath. It, I, it, I don't point, know if I would have shot him, but I, I, I certainly might have left him there. He's an asshole. Well, uh, <laughs> all right, that's Finn. Like he's he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's he's a, a attempted murderer. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I, I would have felt bad if he, if he had left him or killed him anyway. But by not killing him, that makes you even like the character, I guess, more. Mm-hmm. But the question is, and we we won't ever find out, is when he brings him back to civilization is he going to turn him into the police or would he forgive him mm-hmm. well and that's that's interesting and, and another interesting aspect of this whole uh 
thing here after he's fallen and hurt himself is it it almost makes him madder at Charles. <laughs> they pull him out of the pit and is trying to save his life. He's like, you stupid son of a bitch. I was trying to kill you. What is your problem? <laughs> right. Well, no, Charles even says to him, he goes, Bob, 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 you, you weren't going to do it. You weren't going to do it. And he goes, yes, I was. I was going to do it. And it's like, he's like, all right, what do we say? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He's patronizing him. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> um, so they, they get in the canoe and they, and they start heading down river. Um, and Bob is not doing well. <laughs> uh, and eventually they, they stop and make camp with a fire and another helicopter comes around. And this time, uh, Anthony Hopkins is smart enough to throw some green, uh, uh, pine branch onto it, uh, which burns and makes more smoke. Um, and so they're spotted by the helicopter and uh, the helicopter comes over to rescue them, but right before it gets there, Bulp dies. Um, so that's the end of Bulp. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, and it was kind of funny that, that Bob's last words were uh, when Charles was was saying, saying, "Don't die on me, Bob," and he just says, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> right, it, that was kind of funny. Before that, he had already apologized. Said, "I'm sorry," and all that stuff. Now, of Your course, wife wasn't in on it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not, not, yeah, and all that. So, so, uh, and, and it's interesting too because Hopkins' character, uh, Charles, is very hard to read. So, mm-hmm. is, is he believing it? Is he cared? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you don't. Tell, you can't really tell. And I thought that was interesting. And so, it made, made it ambiguous. What a couple things like is Bob. Telling the truth is Bob really apologizing, or is this you know just someone at their deathbed after they mass murdered twenty thousand people saying I'm sorry? You know, because they know they're dead. <laughs> I thought he was genuine, personally. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and then there's a scene where the helicopter gets them back to the lodge, and there's a moment between the lodge owner and him. And then he goes up and uh, hugs his wife. And I, this, is, this is probably my favorite moment in the movie uh, is that he hugs his wife. And then when we're, when they're done hugging, he's taken the watch off of Bob's wrist, the one that she had engraved with the message about all the nights. And he just puts it into her hand. Right. Let her know that. I know. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. And, by the way, I want to circle back to something I intended completely forgot to say at the beginning. One of the things they do set up to tell us that Anthony Hopkins is a good guy mm-hmm. is that he's he's married to Ella McPherson, mm-hmm. and he clearly adores her. Mm-hmm. That which could which we all we've seen this in a lot of things. They could have made her the trophy wife because mm-hmm. it's. Ella McPherson and mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out he's the trophy husband. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, right. And he goes to make the sandwich for her, right. Isn't that the, uh-huh. the thing with the bear? So, um, you know, normally like if you're trying to flip it, it would be the, you know, go, go to the kitchen, make me a sandwich. Right. That would be the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, so this is again, a thing that we can feel the betray- his betrayal because mm-hmm. we understand, we can understand why anybody would want to 
better. We get that because it's Ellen McPherson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's the idea that she betrays him. All things considered, that at given how much, and we can also kind of understand because he is Anthony Hopkins, and you know, she's Ellen McPherson. <laughs> um, nineteen ninety-seven Ellen McPherson. Let me let me make that clear. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can understand. Yeah, we we could understand that you know maybe why she would have an affair with him, perhaps, but still, it's it hurts, right? We we, mm-hmm. we can feel that pain on his behalf. Yeah, right. Well, that, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, to be honest, Anthony Hopkins it, it is a pretty good looking guy. Especially in this movie, he was he was pretty good looking guy. He wasn't like the you know maybe he, because he's not you know the serial killer in Silence of the Lambs. You know, he, so he looks normal. He looks like he looks like a a, a good looking guy like. Uh, Sean Connery at that age, you know, the sexy guy that was like 60. And, and he was 60. Yes. What, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, Fox. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and, but the thing is, is like you said, Mike, they make his character not look at his wife, even though she's 27 years younger than him, as his trophy wife, but actually someone that he probably first looked at, like everybody does. Oh, I, you know, that girl I could have sex with, so therefore I'm going to go up to her and start talking to her. And if the girl gives you her number, she she's thinking, oh, I could have sex with this guy, so I'm giving you your, my number. And then you date and see if you like each other. And then you, you, you know, and obviously I think that's what it was. It's like he really liked her, and, and then that's why they got married. And so even though there's this age gap and people are looking at him as, oh, he's just dating her, married to her because she's a trophy and she's only married him because he's wealthy. To him, it was real. Right. Well, no, and they, and they, they actually have dialogue about it earlier in the movie. Uh, I think it's in the cabin when uh, Bob is, is, is yelling. And what me, why, why do you think you have any right to be with her? Uh, right. You don't deserve her. Why do you think you should be with her? And he's just, he just says, because I love her. Um, so he does right. express that verbally. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the movie there, she she just realizes that she's completely fucked. Because yeah. um, the man she was having an affair with is dead and her husband knows that she was having an affair. So he'll never trust her again. Right, and then there's a moment with uh, all the press who's there, and they want to hear Charles say something, um, and they ask him how his friends died, and his reply is, "They died saving my life," and that's the end of the movie. The credits, um, and my buddy Dan just loves that line. <laughs> more than anything else he's like oh it's so deep uh because uh yeah they did save his life when he fell in the river literally but it's also metaphorical because yeah. having gone through that experience um he now has a completely different perspective than he did prior to that um and he even said to bob at one point, when I get back, things are not going to be the same. I'm not going to live my life the same way anymore. So right. he means that in addition to literally saving his life, they also change his perspective on things um, so he can move forward. Yes, right. He was uh, thrown into hell and he was delivered out of the pits. Mm-hmm. 
in, in a sense. So you're right. It's absolutely it's completely metaphorical, the whole, the whole thing. So, yeah, he, he's definitely – that's why I actually thought if they had continued the film, he was going to say, I'm going to be your partner. We're going to – I'm quitting my – you know, going to retire as the CEO, CEO or whatever the hell he is, and I'm going to run this resort up in the middle of nowhere for thirty, forty million. See, that's not what I think about changing his life, though. I think okay. more along the lines of he's he's going to get a Live. cabin like that one they found, uh, and F society. <laughs> he's he's going to sit around and read his books. He's going to be like uh, uh, Nicholas Cage and Pig. Maybe, maybe. Or something, yeah. Oh, I bet there aren't truffles in Alaska. Yeah, that's true. Probably not. So, yeah, but either way, I think he was going to, yeah, definitely change his life for sure. He was going to actually live the things that he read. Mm -hmm. In other words, he was going to be Rose in Titanic, where after... He was was very sheltered coming into this experience. He had a lot of book knowledge, but not a lot of real-life experience. And now he had a little bit of that little real-life experience. He realized um, how sheltered he'd been the whole time and how much he was missing. Right, 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 right. Because even though he created an entire empire, uh, whatever he he did to become mm-hmm. a billionaire, um, there was still more things in life that he, he discovered that – if not miss, because obviously you don't want to ever see a beer again. <laughs> but you 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 want to um, the metaphorical thing, which is is you know feel alive, feel stuff, mm-hmm. you know feel more than Experience just life. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that could be anything. That could be. You remember remember that that movie we saw, the one I didn't like about the the guy that was fighting the monster that would try to invade his house every night, and his wife had left him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, out in Jacksonville or wherever it was. Yeah, after midnight. And and I was talking about how she was saying, I want to live, but she didn't mean I want to live as in, you know, become a feminist or do this. She just want to live like, what's we just instead of staying here seven days a week, why don't we take a one week vacation to Miami and have tacos on the boardwalk or something? (laughs) You know, that that's living if to her, you know, so it doesn't have to be flying an airplane like Rose did, you know, in, in Titanic. So he, he was going to live whatever that means. He was going to now live, you know? So Mm -hmm. I I think that was cool. Yeah. Well, and he he has to change his life anyway, because his, he can't trust his wife anymore. You know, everything's changed. Yeah. Some people keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some people would rather be in a marriage that they that they know is a farce than uh, face the, the reality of that and get a divorce. It's true, true. Yeah, that's true. So. But yeah, yeah, the the movie was uh, interesting. Uh, uh, Helen back. Mm-hmm. Helen back. Um, what else? What else we want to? Any, anything else we, we wanted to bring up uh, related to the symbolism or specific scenes or anything like that? Anything? I've been talking for a while. You guys go for it. <laughs> right, right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I got anything else. What about you, Mike? Um. No, I think this is this. This is an interesting like bro movie, right? It's a dude movie. <laughs> 
Um, but of course, it's you know the dudes stab each other in the back. So I don't know that. Uh... Yeah, so it's not a. But but it is, I think, an interesting. I, I do think, which we talked about earlier, the idea of uh, that they do turn it around. That they, not that anybody in this film, for the most part, is like working class, but where the rich guy is the good guy. Mm-hmm. And you're meant to empathize with him and the terrible burden of being a billionaire. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's just. Um, well, to be, to be fair, uh, many people think that if you have lots and lots of money, you don't have any problems. And that's not true. Right. Oh, I, I, I think that it's, I like that. I think I've, I've often lamented the fact that sometimes we go for the, the easy stereotypes and the easy tropes mm-hmm. and you know, there's nothing easier than the, the evil corporation and the evil, you know, executive and yeah. all this other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, it's all, everyone is in the end, it's fundamentally just people, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're shades of gray. I think Anthony Hopkins may be a little too perfect in this film. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but you know, it's that's a minor complaint. I mean, is, that's kind of the case with well most I, heroes I, in most movies. Well, I, there's a couple of things. Uh, the reason that you could argue that he was perfect here is because it's only a, a small group of people, so it's not like he's in his corporation where he has to say, you know, what, what are you doing, fucking it up? We gotta, we gotta beat them in the car, you know, the other company and all this stuff. So it's just a small group of people. It's a vacation, so I don't know. So I see your point, though, Mike. Also, I do like the fact that uh, rather than having Alec Baldwin being an accountant or a salesman or his CFO or something, he they make him a, a quote unquote, and that's well, I'm purposely putting the quotes on it because I'm not agreeing with it necessarily, but making him be the shallow photographer, you know, someone that does silly things, quote unquote, silly things or something. You know, I don't know. In no, words, I do agree with it. He's shallow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think they, they kind of made you know that he was, if not a villain, that he was just the phony, you know, while the yeah. billionaire wasn't. Um, and, uh, I don't even know what Steve was. What was Steve's profession? He was, uh, he was Bob's assistant. Okay. Okay. So, so he was part of the, the, the photographer's bit too. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 So you, you noticed there was no, none of his, his, uh, company employees. Right. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that made well, and and the whole thing was generally the wife doing her thing, and he was tagging along. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, he really wasn't doing much of anything. He was he, he was up there on the balcony reading a book while she was she was getting shot by a uh, bulb. Right, right. That's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, if you ever seen one of those uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, swimsuit issues where they either go to the middle of Greenland or they go to Bermuda or something, it's something like that. So they're going to the middle of nowhere to get these exotic locations, footage of, of uh, an attractive model. Mm-hmm. Um, and the husband just happened to be going along. Gotcha. And by the way, uh, 
Apparently it was cold as hell when they were doing that scene. And so uh, Elle McPherson would be sitting around with a coat on. Uh, and then right before they rolled the camera, she would take the coat off and be out cold in that outfit. And then immediately afterwards, ask for the coat back because it was freezing. Oh, yeah. uh, also, if she were to wear that outfit today, she would get ripped to pieces. <laughs> Cultural oh. information, mama! Oh, oh, because it because it was furs or something? Like faux Native American, yeah. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. that's, yeah, that's a cultural appropriation. Yeah. 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 That wouldn't fly today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of funny, too, because it, let's say it was a Native American folks that had her dressed up that way. She was still <laughs> ripped because it's always the, the white liberals that, that are the ones that do all the screaming, not the. But anyway. Um,. So I guess we should talk Bias. about <clears throat> what's that again? Nothing. Bias? <laughs> um so let's talk about I guess uh I guess the the inf- unfortunate news information that we know about one of the stars. Oh yeah, Alec Baldwin's in trouble. Um he was on the set of his newest movie called Rust, I believe is the title. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he was in a scene where he was going to fire a gun at somebody. And apparently um, there was a complete lack of gun safety on the set. Um, and the reason he's in, in even more trouble than he would be if he was just an actor that was firing that gun in the scene is that he was also an executive producer on the movie. So he's more culpable sure. for the working right. circumstances. Right. Well, now there's, there's even a, a new thing that came out, too, where uh, one of the script supervisors is suing him now because the scene that he did this, there was no requirement to even have a gun. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so due to the lack of gun safety on set, which several crew members apparently had quit over already, um, he fired the gun that was supposed to have a blank in it, but it had a real bullet in it, and he killed the cinematographer and wounded the director. Yeah, that's right, so, that's right, yeah. He's in big trouble. Yeah, and the cinematographer is a 42-year-old mother of some young kids, so it's just a horrible situation. Yeah. And so so they lost their mom, so it's just terrible. Yeah, um, there's going to be real – it's going to be tough. This is a thing that's going to take a lot of untangling. Um, Alec Baldwin is Alec Baldwin, and he has a very long public history. Yeah, he's um, not many good friends. Not many yeah, friends. I mean, he has, besides you know being political, which mm-hmm. which which pisses some people off and and endears him to others. He also had like that whole thing with his daughter. What was that like ten uh, years ago? In the and yeah, so so yeah. And, and so there's all sorts of things that go with him. And I at least have long on the the Dark Discussions podcast, you know, kind of separated art and artist. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, or what have you, um, you hate everybody. So um, except for uh, Taylor Swift and, yeah. uh, you know, so I, this doesn't change the fact that he's an incredibly talented artist. 
whether, you know, I don't think anybody is saying that he intentionally murdered these people. Um, there have been some who suggested like that um, somebody intentionally put the bullet in the gun, uh, you know, which I'm not in any way trying to endorse because conspiracies are humanity's first language, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also from what, you know, given the nature of things on the set, also something like that really wouldn't shock me either. Uh, just things sound well, like the relationship between production and employees was terrible. Uh, they had let people go or people had walked away, you know, like you said, because of conditions or disagreements and, and mm-hmm. other things. And, you know, I'm sorry. I said this to somebody, everybody in Hollywood knows the Brandon Lee story. Everybody. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't care that that was 30 years ago because we're old. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that story. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that blanks can kill somebody. So everyone understands the importance of gun safety. And I get that somebody missed. There was like, what the fuck was, why were live rounds mixed in with? Why were they on the set? Right, yeah. on the set at all, right? And I guess somebody was saying they were shooting blanks off. Like, but why were they mixed in with the regular, not the regulars, but the, the blanks or the dummies or whatever the mm-hmm. the things? And, you know, or they missed the mark on the thing. Well, uh. Well, and apparently, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, uh, I don't know if you can go buy blanks just, like, at a store. Um, a lot of the time, they make their own. They just, like, remove the metal part of the bullet. Right. Um, and sometimes shit goes wrong, uh, as it did with Brandon Lee. Um, well, actually, they, actually, they, they just forgot to do it with one of the bullets that ended up in the gun. I'm not I'm trying to excuse anybody. I'm just saying that's historically the way it's gone. Well, with Brandon Lee, though, it was the, it was a blank. It's just no, that. I understand. I know what happened there. Yeah, yeah, I'm not right, saying right, it's right. the same thing. Um, right. I don't think it was. I'm a, just saying that a lot of times movie productions modify bullets to make their own blanks. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like so that maybe an explanation he, he as to why bullets were present. It's it's possible. But <laughs> here's here's the thing. On on one hand, I do feel a certain amount of sympathy for Alec Baldwin at this point because I do believe that he had no intention to harm anybody. And he feels, I mean, awful is an understatement of the century about having taken somebody else's life because that wasn't even would, like close to what he was trying to accomplish. Right. I, I would, would concur with you, which is he never planned to probably do it. Now, I, but, I, but there's, there's a, a big but a, on the end of this, though, but, which is yeah, that he was an executive guy. producer on a movie. In addition to being the actor holding the gun, so he was in a in a dual responsibility of making sure there was there was not an actual well that gun. And, and also, why was he firing the gun if if the new lawsuit against him is true, where there was no gun in that scene anyway, and he's pointing it at the, the director and cinematographer? And well, and this is why I caught and one I caution everybody to. Be careful about jumping to conclusions. There's a lot of questions, and there's a, not a lot that we actually know for sure. Um, he's an executive producer. I mentioned the movie State in Maine, where the idea of executive producer is a running joke in the film. Um, because executive right. producer can mean almost anything. 
and or associate producer, whatever. And, and it's it it could mean that you are just it was put in your contract, and that's how they and so that you get a bigger share of the money, and that's how they could afford an actor of your caliber to be in a small film. Or that's, it could be yeah, just, it usually means you have some sort of financial stake in the movie. Right, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have anything to do with the day-to-day right. operations. Right, now, it's not to, like the producer from six, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Or, you're right, it's, or it could be like somebody like Tom Cruise, we know, is a very hands-on kind of guy in his films. Right. So, I, and I'm not saying, I have, I'm not trying to exonerate Alec Baldwin in this, I'm just saying I have no idea what his role is there beyond his name is there, and it can mean anything. And it can mm-hmm. mean him being very responsible to being not at all responsible. And then the question is, how? what was his behavior on that day? Was he supposed to be pointing the gun at these people and pulling the trigger? Mm-hmm. Was he fucking around with the gun? I have no idea. Um, and nobody does. And because he's Alec Baldwin, he comes with a lot of baggage that people already have their mind made up as to whether they like him or don't like him. Right. And, you know, but I, I mean, at the worst, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, the drunk driver that hits and kills somebody that, you know, they didn't intend to. And you kind of feel bad for them. But it doesn't mean they don't deserve to be punished. On the other hand, this could right. be something that is completely not his fault. He could have been doing everything he was supposed to do. And just happened to be the the, the poor schmuck who pulled the trigger with a loaded bullet in it. Mm-hmm. So we right. really but, but, don't know. But but I've always heard, uh, I've listened to a lot of uh, podcasts and um, like like big people not not podcasts for horror films or anything um, and news podcasts and they have some good points which is even especially Baldwin who's supposedly been very good with guns on sets as we saw in this film he carried a, a, a shotgun and a, a couple of times in the film and pointed it at people. Um, even as an actor, he should have still checked the gun himself. Mm-hmm. It is is what a lot of people are saying too. Now, now that may not. Be I don't right. know who's saying. I've I've, I've, I've seen people say that. Sense. It's just common. no. It's not because if you're okay. an actor, you're act and you're you have a prop man who is supposed to be responsible for that. You don't go fucking around with the thing that the actual professional has checked and cleared and done what they're supposed well, to. Well, this, this shows you interesting. That. I, I had I had the same argument with Dan on on his Can't See podcast because <laughs> I was like, do you really think he should be responsible for for checking the gun when he's just yes. an actor? And he was like, yes, absolutely. If you are handling a gun, you are one responsible yeah. for the no, but this is never, you should never trust anybody else. You should, especially if it's a gun. But this is, but but I know who's saying this, and these are people who are gun people who handle guns regularly, and they're treating guns as if they're handling a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a completely different well, thing. Put it, Talking we'll put about it, this point on, every actor or actress that uses a gun on set should check themselves. I don't well, know about that because they're not experts in this. Well, uh, that's why you have paid experts there. Here's the other thing. There's a larger conversation going on, which is the question of at this point in time, when it's possible to add the muzzle flash and the sound of the gunfire in post-production, why the fuck are you even using real guns? Um, And I think that's a really valid question to be asked at this point. I think it's a valid question. I think you can ask. I don't know what the cost is to add that and add it in a way that is convincing. 
You can well, ask any, thing. any horror thing fan is, the trouble of like adding CGI blood. I have no idea if CGI muzzle flashes are effective and what the cost is and and all the rest. And it depends. I, I imagine a lot of things, right? That lower budgets, it's just going to be easier to use a dummy. Well, and and I've I, I heard somebody say I don't know what level of expertise they have to be honest, um, but that at twenty four frames per second, which is what most movies are shot at, like. Unless you're using high-speed film, most of the time you don't catch the muzzle flash anyway, and you have to add it in post-production. Yeah, I have no idea. I really so. don't. And again, that is something to me that's not my business, mm-hmm. right? It's you're, you know, I, I I have zero expertise in that. I think it's a good question, mm-hmm. no question about it. But I think that's the question the filmmakers have to answer. Yes, and I, 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 and and I will definitely say I think. Look, this is two deaths in thirty years. It's still more than there should have been. Yeah. Um. Again, sure, sure. But given how much, how many fake bullets have been shot in films, uh, you know, in in that thirty year span, it's a fairly safe thing. This is a truly freak occurrence. No, so, and you're, you're right, but I still think, you know, one's too many, right? Yeah, um, I mean, but we can go through all sorts of things where, uh, you know, say where where we have we, we, and ask, well, if we got rid of this, it would save a life. If we got rid of that, it would save a life. The idea that this is such, a, such something unnecessary and is easily replaced or seems to be, I'm mm-hmm. just saying as somebody on the outside – I'm always careful at saying it seems to me as someone who doesn't know anything to be an easy answer. But I'm also willing to listen to other people who are in the business who might be able to say something otherwise. Um, but I'll, let, I'll, I'll, but I'll let them figure that out. Again, they're in theory, the experts, mm-hmm. um, you know, in all of this, there's, you know, there's going to be lawsuits, you know, there's going to be criminal investigations. Um, and we'll let all of that come out, you know, in terms of responsibility and, and all the rest of it. And I think people people never like to hear the phrase I don't know. <laughs> we That's all want to we That's all want to jump to conclusions. And I think this is fast like we this is a fascinating thing because there are so many what ifs, you know, and if thens and and, and there's there, all these moving pieces. And there've already been consequences for instance uh the television show The Rookie um I believe in less than a week after this happened, announced that they would no longer be using real guns on set. Right. And again, if this is a thing that can be done without consequence, without change or mm-hmm. significant change and significant cost, that's wonderful. But I also don't know if that's the case. I'm just leaving right. that open. No, um, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I so, have not worked on a movie either, so I don't know either. Right. And and by the way, the other thing is with the the checking of the the guns is that time is money on a set, and the actors don't hold the guns typically until they they are handed the gun and they're ready to shoot. Pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, either way, if that was me going forward, if I, I was a famous actor or anybody, I, w- I would have to check myself from that point on. And but you but you also have to be able to know every single thing, and then well, why are we paying a person to do a thing that you're just about to do too? And that's now a union job that you're doing because the person who fires the gun will will have pot responsibility if the bullet is in there on mistake. So assuming I don't want that they can spot in, the difference. 
I don't want well, to. Well, and 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 there's also the other thing, which is that uh, some people will train for roles. For instance, Keanu Reeves trained like an MFer with guns for the John Wick movies. Uh, you can find videos of it on YouTube. Yes. Um, right. And he knows what he's doing with guns and he knows how to handle them. And I'm sure he's very well trained in gun safety. Um, so the, the the other question, at least for me, looking at that, if, if, if you're taking the uh, opinion of, well, they're just an actor and they're not trained in guns, well, maybe they should be. Um, if you're going to train for martial arts, uh, to do a fight scene, uh, why wouldn't you train for gun safety to do a gun scene? It's a good point. Sure. Yeah. And unfortunately, with guns also comes a whole lot of other political baggage that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people in the Hollywood industry who are strongly anti-gun. Mm-hmm. And so they don't, they don't want anything to do with guns. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, right. They'll, they'll wait, touch wait. a fake gun for their movies, but, you know, they don't want right. to do anything. And, and they're, like they're so, I, so I get it. But they should, they should learn it. Yeah, absolutely, because they're hypocrites. Because if they're willing to do movies that basically "quote unquote" promote or glorify or whatever guns, then they yeah they they should they should know something about it, or or they shouldn't be be protesting against guns when they're the reason why children like guns in the first place. You know. Well, I mean, it depends on the movie, depends on the context. Certainly, we've seen a lot of movies that that portray guns in a negative light, but. You have to have the guns in the movie to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're not going to solve this here tonight, but it I is just an did. interesting situation to talk about. Yeah, yeah, because I, I personally think his career is over. I, I can't believe anybody. You, would you could be him. right. I mean, I, he might end up in prison. He could very that's well end up in prison, actually. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we'll, we'll, we'll and see. And he's not a spring chicken, so depending on how long the sentence is, he might just be done. I. Yep. Never underestimate the ability of Hollywood uh, yeah. to to Dude. throw money at a problem and make it go away. That's yeah, true. Yeah, they, they do like it with nothing with, ever happened to Landis. And and there are a lot. And and again, with in the case of Baldwin, there's there are so many layers to this. So many layers to this. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about getting him convicted of manslaughter or reckless endangerment, whatever it is. It's going to be really hard to, 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 I think, get him to be directly responsible. I could very easily see this if he ever gets convicted. Because remember, the, the reasonable doubt standard mm-hmm. is the presumption of innocence um, is a high hurdle to cross. I could easily see him getting off. And I certainly don't think he'd have – I mean, he may, out of good taste, spend some time out of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, supposedly, you know, Mel Gibson is making Lethal Weapon Five now, so mm-hmm. you know, um, right. everybody eventually can find their way back into good graces. Roman Polanski won an Oscar. <laughs> you know, we can go through, but pretty much everybody well, except Victor Salva and uh, Kevin Spacey, and who knows what's going to happen with Kevin Spacey in ten years. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's like there's degrees. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, is what Mel Gibson. Did is that worse than Kevin Spacey? That's my point exactly. (laughs) Well, but you know what I'm saying. But most people will acknowledge it was an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't participate in the hunt. No, and 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 I see your point, Mike. Like John Landis back in the day when uh, that 
with that terrible accident that happened on the set of the Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. It ended up yeah. with uh, three actors, two of them being children, getting killed. Uh, right. Not a right. damn thing happened to him for that. So, right. they, yeah, Hollywood could make it go away. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, it, it is it is awful too that mm-hmm. Hollywood Hollywood's just a terrible, terrible, evil place. There, there, there's a lot of bad people there. <laughs> that that, that statement is true. Yeah, and it's a shame. It's it's just I don't know. I just, <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So I think you know we. we we had to, I guess, bring that up a little bit. I mean, we didn't have to, but it's it's important, I guess. That's I thought it was the the right time to bring it up, because um, yeah. I mean, we usually talk about some movie news or whatever on dark discussions. But and, since we were covering and, a movie with Alec Baldwin in it here, it would be the right time. And yeah. um, just a suggestion, as Phil, as you're the editor, maybe go back, see what time we start this conversation, and just an insert a blurb telling people that. We're now going to be discussing the Alec Baldwin gun situation. If you have no interest in this, please fast forward to <laughs> this time. Indeed. And and at this time, Mike, uh, me, you, and Eric, and a couple other people do another podcast? At this time? No, at this time, we're just doing this oh, podcast. <laughs> You're really bad at cues, Mike. Yeah, well, uh, no. I know. I'm just trying to murder his transition in the script. Um, yes, this is. Uh, yeah, we also do the Dark Discussions podcast, which is the flagship podcast of the Dark Discussion News Network, which has been on the interwebs now for eleven years, ten years, ten, ten and a half, ten and a half years, and like over five hundred episodes. Yeah, we're at like five fifteen or something like that. Oh my god! Um, so if there's a movie that we haven't covered, let us know. I don't know that there's any left yet. Um, no, actually, there's a ama- there's an amazing number of films that we have not yes, covered. Oh, oh, put it put it this way: some people like Mark Lenato and Lacey Liu watch more than five hundred horror films in in one year. You know? Oh yeah, and and we yeah. haven't. You would. I mean, we can. We if you put a made a tree out of all the classic films, you know, we would be hitting branches all the way down to stuff we haven't covered. Right. We would be, you know, in, you know, the history of horror and we haven't touched a Friday the 13th for uh, Halloween or nightmare on Elm street film, universal monsters, hammer horror, you know, there, there's just so much. We haven't even done scream. And that's like Phil's like favorite <laughs> film ever. No, and there was a Scream sequel that came out while we were recording, and there's going to be another one in just a couple of weeks. So <laughs> um, we, we, we haven't done. Uh, there's uh, a lot. Child's Play, yeah, Child's uh, Play. Uh, Saw. We haven't done Saw. We haven't done Saw. We did Paranormal Activity. You, I think you guys did that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, 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 and there, and those are just the franchises that I'm mentioning, let alone like the independent, anyway. like standalone, like Rosemary's Baby that we haven't done, or, mm-hmm. um, but anyway. yeah. So there's plenty of stuff out there. But if you're interested in hearing us, uh, along with sometimes contributors Kevin Letts, uh, Barrett, Barrett's Barrett's last name, Heisner, Barrett Heisner, uh, Christy Peterson Schoonover. And, and maybe and an old episodes, Abe Spiney, we don't know if and when he'll ever come back. 
They are dragging him off into the cave. Come, comes down to whether or not if he stops working nights. He's got eaten by a bear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was dragging. But anyway, the cave. anyway, cries, I, I don't know if they're cries of right, agony or pleasure. Just he hasn't come out of the cave since. Any, anyway, so yeah, we do that on the podcast. That's that's all we we wanted. <laughs> that's what you get for throwing a mic, Phil. Yeah, that's it. I know, but I'm asking you another one, which you are always good at, which is, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do? <laughs> you know what? You can bust me all you want, dude, and it's still going to be five minutes less than what Mike just did. I do. Challenge uh, accepted. It is a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. Um, you can find it wherever you got this one. That's right. That's right. Um, and uh, I guess we get into our final thoughts on the edge. So, uh, Eric, what do you got? Uh, I like this movie. It's a personal favorite. Uh, I own it on DVD. I own a digital copy and I watch it about once a year cause I like it. So I recommend it. Very good. Uh, for me. Yeah. As Mike said, it, uh, it, uh, hits home in a sense because uh, I walk my dog in the woods a lot and we have black bears around here and I, I always like have that at the back of my mind. That's it's well, you gotta be racist. Remember. You gotta get racist. You gotta go race. God, man. Oh God. No, no. Well, black bears New are England over. people. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, that's that. We don't have the Kodiaks and the, and the grizzlies up here. So we only have the black bears. So, uh, the, and that's only the skin. I mean, their hair color, like the hair color. So it's a, the, I guess it, they, it makes them hide camouflage better at or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really good film. Uh, I recommend. Big thumbs up. And uh, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, uh, look, it's a really good film. Um, and, and I and I get Eric's uh, affection for it. It's uh, especially if you're into survival films, if you're into man against nature films like The Gray, um, and you have two really well, actually. Two really good actors in it. I'm actually a very big fan of Harold Perneau. Uh so uh, you know he's another one that you could put right up there. Um, it just a, a fantastic cast and very well written, surprisingly well written for what is basically a survival adventure story. Um, and even though it's not a horror film, it is. There are definitely scenes that are very horror adjacent. So um, yeah, and then Bart, who tragically died before he ever got a chance to win his Oscar. <laughs> right. Indeed, indeed. And uh um I just got a, a, a bad text from Eric. That's a mean mean <laughs> bastard there, holy sucks. <laughs> and he is black here too, so yeah, that could be yep, a local yep. That's not good. Uh but in, anyway yeah, waiting yeah, for you right now. I know, seriously. Well, to be honest, they've they've come in our yards a couple times. They've actually stolen our bird houses and bird feeders. It's terrible. What are they going to do with bird feeders? I'm just picturing a bear, but like putting up a bird. Honey, I got your new birdhouse. They they eat uh, all. What it is is they took the whole bird feeder off the the uh, hook, and it was gone. And so I in the woods, it was like about. 40 yards in the woods and it was like smashed because they were, they were able to eat inside and pull out all the, the bird seed and eat it. They Don't eat, eat anything. Really? Eat anything. Yeah, especially wow. black bears. Okay. They're omnivores. The, the black yeah. bears are omnivores, so they eat both. Yeah. So th- I would just, like, it seems like it would be really hard for a bear to eat bird seed. <laughs> yeah, well, well, dude, dude, the best was my neighbor had has one of those um, outdoor uh, 
porches that that are like on on um, stakes, so so it's like high up. The bear gotcha. mm-hmm. walked up the stairs, went up, got on the ledge, uh, you know, the little balconies, and 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 they're, they're very nimble because he didn't tip over and fall, you know, the twenty mm-hmm. feet, and, and was pulling down their bird feeder, yeah. and they got the whole pictures of it. It's like holy shit. Yeah, see, the seed wouldn't do it, but we put it all like in one little container for them. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like 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 human children and pixie sticks. <laughs> okay, fair yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah no, they're. Yeah. yeah so they're so cute. a lot of times they they tell you that you we haven't done it yet, but they they say a lot of times you should you should take your bird feeders and put them in your garage before you go to bed, just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, but it's very rare when they 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 do come and steal them. So. So or cover yourself in honey and sleep outside. Yeah, that kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a, I haven't had an up close encounter with a bear in a long time. I'm just thinking, like one of the last times I saw a bear, Pam and I were driving. It was a beautiful, it was a sunny day, and the bear was in the field, and he was like, I swear to God, the bear was frolicking in the field. He was mm-hmm. almost dancing in the field, and then he saw us, and he had that sort of like, I, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm fine. No, I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm cool. So, uh, anyway, uh, The Edge is a 1997 film that is available anywhere you can purchase, rent, and if you also want to, you can buy the disc as well. Uh, the film is directed by Lee Tamahori, written by David Mamet, uh, cinematography by Donald McAlpine. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith does the, the music. Uh, as I stated, uh, a little, if you like the Alien uh, music, uh, this one has a lot of sounds that sound very much like it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Alec Baldwin, L. McPherson, Harold Perrineau, um, and then, um, as I said, LQ Jones, among others. And, uh, yeah, with all that stated, Eric, why don't you leave this one? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about The Edge. Come back next time. We'll have another movie. What could have really worked is if there was a scene where Harold Perrineau had a bear burst out of his chest. Mm-hmm.